0: today is thursday april 6th 2023 and you are listening to the ask a christian podcast i'm your host Nate ha ah, yay. yay okay um today let's talk about the book the cosmic temple by j richard middleton so someone i i have a backlog like a, a year long um anyway this one kind of interested me the concept of it um i told someone i'd watch this speech or this lecture by this guy and he he really kept asking me, which but I guess the Bible is correct, right? Remember that part where Jesus tells the the woman the parable? He's like, look, this woman because she was persistent and like bugged this judge, he finally got up and just gave her what he wanted, not because he felt sorry for her, not because they were friends, but because she bugged him until he did it. Um, so I guess that happened to me. This guy kept, uh, you know, asking like, have you watched this video? Have you watched this video? So I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna watch this video. So I guess it works. Squeaky wheel gets the re- grease. Anyway, this video, the idea. Um, you can watch it. Um, I don't know if I'll put, well, you could just search for that on YouTube. Um, anyway, so his concept is from Genesis one and two. It's not like gap theory where there are different creations of the world. One is Genesis one is God's creating like a cosmic celestial temple somehow. And then Genesis two is creating of the world. Um, anyway, so I, I don't, I'm not convinced. I don't think it's necessary. I think it goes way far away. Um, and the guy makes lots of assertions and jumps around thousands of years in the Bible to make his case. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced, and there's no reason for it. I don't know if he just thought this was an interesting theory. I don't know anything about him other than the short lecture, I, well, the hour lecture I heard him give. So I don't know what type of Christian he is, if he is a Christian, what denomination. I, I don't know any of that. Um, I just know that I am not swayed by the cosmic temple argument, um, as you'll hear. But I don't know. Check it out for yourself. All right, faux philosophers. So this, this is like the second time in as many days um, two days, <laughs> two times, two days, how, I don't know, I, I don't want to be, like, ageist, but these, like, very young-sounding guys get on, and it seems like they just regurgitate stuff. I don't know if there's, like, a, a TikTok video or something that just teaches them strings of, like, big philosophical terms and jargon, and they just, like, spit it out, but they're they're so, I guess, passionate, um, that they just spit it out, they're like, ba 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 It's like, look, no one even... You don't sound smart. You sound like a parrot, like you you can't form these thoughts in a slow thinking type way. You're just trying to spit it out super super fast. I I guess to sound smart or be like ah owned you Christians. Um anyway, it's it's not a good look. It's not convincing. Which I mean I guess is fine for our side, but it's not about the argument. It's about the God. Um anyway, that's that's faux philosophers. It bugs me like faux philo- phil- Philosophy, I'm not a big fan. It's useful for what it's useful for when it stops being useful and it just people turn into pontificators, I I guess, (laughs) like I'm doing now, just without philosophical terms. Um, Is philosophical a philosophical term? Hmm. Shall I pontificate? Anyway, that's enough. You'll hear about it. Uh, Max Blasphemy. For those uh, who have worried or been concerned that they could have committed the unpardonable sin, we have a topic for you. Um, you know, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? We've covered this before, so it's kind of a recap and then some additional talking about it. Um, good news. Um, yeah, good news. You probably haven't. Um, wait until you hear the discussion. It's quite long and, and deep. Um, and then talking in tongues. What's the different types? Uh, well, there's the gift of tongues, which, you know, interpretation. and There needs to be an interpreter for the edification and for, you know, to demonstrate, like, you know, God is still doing miracles. Um, by being able to have an interpreter and people speaking in languages that they don't know. Um, but then there's there's the kind of Pentecostal bent also, in addition to, which would be, you know, with Paul talking about groanings and, and think like these moans and groans he prays with, because he's praying from such a deep part in his soul or spirit that, you know, he doesn't even know what he's trying to say. He's just, it's coming out in like, you know, grunts or moans or gurgles. Um, now, people will do that as kind of like glossolalia, which is you know what you'll hear people do on TV or whatever. Um, maybe that's a cultural thing. But the point isn't being able to talk and say words. It's you're praying from so deep within yourself, you do not have words to say. So whatever random stuff just comes out of you, maybe it's a cry, maybe it's a moan, maybe uh, whatever. That's the point. And that's usually when people say they they experience God on a deeper, deeper level, and they may falsely equivalent it to audible sounds and words. And my, my, I believe what is accurate is it's not the words God is honoring. It's that you're praying from so either because you have tragedy or, you know, you, you want to foster this relationship with God, like whatever the reason it's a lot deeper that you're praying from than just God help me to have a good day and, you know, get a job promotion, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Um, I mean, you're like, Crying out from the deepest part of you. I think that's what God's honoring. And that's why you may feel like you have a a closer relationship or God showed up or his presence. Um, Not the words. It's, It's the intent of your heart. Um, So marriage, do you really need to get married by a person in a funny hat or a robe or a church with lots of witnesses and wedding cake? Is that necessary? Is a civil union just as good? Is nothing good? If you're a Christian and you're like, hey, you know, my wife, uh," well, quote, wife, my uh, girlfriend, my living girlfriend, you know, we know we love each other. Our hearts are basically married. Um, That's a tough sell. So, you know, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So if there is fear and trembling... I think you'd at least go get a quick marriage certificate and be like, yes. Um, Anyways, we'll talk about that. Opinions vary. So, thanks for watching. Please share this podcast link with everyone you know. Like, everyone. Uh, Be be like the uh, woman and the judge. Just, like, beat down people's door and be like, here, watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, Anyway, so if you'd like to check out the Ask a Christian book to learn how to have, how to foster civil discussions with Christianity with people who may not be so kind and receptive to Christianity, check out that book. Um, the Ask a Christian book on available on Amazon, also the Ask a Christian store, where you can get some Ask a Christian, you know, I've got answers. I, not uh, you, you, I. Um, anyways, so that will encourage them to ask you about your faith and why you have it, and then you can tell them. Uh, be a witness. And um, lastly, you can just straight-up support us, uh, which would be great. So um, the links are all in the podcast or video descriptions. And we appreciate the support to keep this podcast going and to keep sharing the gospel of Christ with the people of the internet from the land of the internet. <laughs> Can we make that a virtual country? Anyways, until next time, have an awesome Thursday. Take care. Um, been promising vanuel you know that guy I just met him recently, that oh, I yeah. would watch this this interesting video. Um, it's this guy Richard Middleton talking about his idea of a new heaven and new earth. Um, oh. And it's, it's, nah, no. Um, it's, it's something about a cosmic temple in Genesis, which kind of goes to like, you know, cult talk. It's okay. like how, how people just, you know, won't read the Bible. It's like they read it and then it, it ends up, hang on, I made notes. <laughs> so if Vangel shows up, I'll have to go through this again. But just, uh, you know, to give him peace of mind that, yes, I did watch this thing that I've been t- telling him I'll watch forever. Um, I bumped it up ahead of my other conspiracy stuff. I got to get through because that's, that's so entertaining to me. That's, that's what I watch for fun. Okay. So a new heaven and new earth by J. Richard Middleton. Um, so I'm just going to power through this real fast. So Vanyal, he seems to have respect for the scripture and a reverence for God. So, you know, I guess that's okay. I just think he's really off base with his inclusion. And the whole premise is there's this like Genesis one to Genesis two, Like, either most people will read it as Genesis 2 is a more detailed account of Genesis 1. Other people will read it as a gap. Like, you know, something happened, a firestorm, meteor hit, something like that. And in Genesis 2, there's, like, a recreating of, like, certain vegetation and stuff like that. The whole planet doesn't need to be created. So people will think, well, there was a planet. Something happened and a few things needed to be, you know, was recreated. Um, Those are kind of the most prevailing thoughts. Um, Then this guy comes up with, no, Genesis 1 is like a cosmic temple like it's weird, man. It's like akin to baptize, like how he'll read something about living water in the scripture. And we're like, yeah, we agree. We agree. And then he's like, that's actually tears that you cry from your eyeballs to be saved. We're like, wait, what? So it's, it's that kind of leap in my humble opinion be one of my opinion. So that's it. So it's, it's a baptized type leap going from like Genesis one is creating a cosmic temple. Um, so I just can't get there. That's a, that's a leap too far. Um,
1: it's, Cos- Cosmic temple sounds very Mormon esque.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't. It does. I think it's a different than any Mormon thing, though. Um, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know. I listened to the whole video, um, but it, it didn't seem like a Mormon thing. It seemed like a things Mormons would probably be like. No, we don't even think that. Um, yeah, I mean, they could both be wrong. But uh, let's see, it's like, it's like one of those, okay, yeah, the way the guy was trying to make his case, he started in Genesis 1, and then he jumps to Job, and then Isaiah, like, you know, hundreds or a thousand years, like, way, way, way later, to make his point. And it's like, it reminded me of one of those murder boards, like that meme with uh, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, stringing together, like, you know, threads on the, the board, like, linking all these, like, crazy things together. It's like, well, because of a fish, that's the footstool the world like wait what um so that that kind of thing um well it's so oh, also he's
2: yeah, oh. no, go ahead, go
0: ahead. <laughs> yeah i'm I, I just want to read these things i'm distracting myself it won't take long if i power through this so the first thing the guy seems to be quoting from a, a specific translation he didn't mention the translation i don't think but he bases he bases a lot of his case on that so i i would be curious to know if he consulted the original hebrew Um, because if he didn't, that could destroy this whole argument and make me wasting an hour of my life for no reason. So it seems like he's using a really specific translation. I don't know which one, uh, but did he consult the actual Hebrew because that right there could, you know, shake his argument. Um, let's see after that, he makes a stretch. Yeah. (laughs) He makes a stretch between Genesis one and two and jumps out of nowhere in Genesis one to God's temple. And two is God's creation. And that that leap is like what we talked about with Baptized. It's it's just too far uh, for seemingly no like no reason to get there. Um, and then he keeps he keeps declaring things as a metaphor. A- absolutely, he's like, and this is a metaphor, and this is absolutely a metaphor. I'm like, wait, why do you why are you so sure something is absolutely a metaphor? So he doesn't give reasons as to why he thinks this. He just kind of ab- arbitrarily declares this is a metaphor, that is a metaphor, that is a metaphor, when that is highly disputed. Um, and then he, yeah, let's see, he uses Job and the foundation of the world to try to say that's a building of a temple in Genesis one, I guess. And that's, that's just nuts. Um, that's a metaphor. Funny. He didn't call that a metaphor. Um, anyways, um, and then he, let's see, almost done. He gives, gives Torah to the word. Um, I can't even read my writing. It was late. Um, gives Torah to the word, but that is such a stretch to the world. Okay. I don't even know what I'm trying to say there. The last thing is he does make a joke. It was funny. And it says, when he talks about um, other gods and how they could, you know, they usually have to compete with evil or some bad create creature to become the God and to overthrow the, the creature before it. And then they become the God. And he's saying, well, in Christianity, you know, God even creates like, you know, these big scary things like a Leviathan or whatever, like a dinosaur, or a sea monster. And, um, it paints the picture that you know Leviathan is God's rubber ducky. So, out of the whole hour, that is the thing that amused me most. I, I like that. Uh, yes, Michael. Oh, hey,
1: Father Chris. I, I don't even know. Oh, what to, everyone else. I don't even know what to say to something like that. It, it, it is weird though. So it, it's funny. I, I've heard lots of you know people. It, my experience has been that when something, something within. Uh, a holy book, and I won't just I won't just single out the Bible. Um, seems difficult to um, reconcile with the reality we experience. Um, that will be, you know, called metaphor, right? Or you know, you know, th- this story is uh, you know uh, allegorical or something like that. Um, and yet there are certain parts, you know, that would seem more metaphorical to me that some that people will, you know, attribute to, oh, you know, absolute historical fact. Right. And so it it, that's been my experience where people will say, you know, well, you know, that's clearly metaphor. That's clearly metaphor. No, no, this is totally literal. There there are the biblical literalists, right, you know, that that are, you know, firm, you know, six days, six thousand years, uh, you know, all, all all of the little bits, like everything within the Bible. And it, I mean that just doesn't comport with with reality, right? And and much of it we can demonstrate just isn't the case. Um, but 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 again, it, you know, it's like there are there are some things again that people will write off to, to metaphor when it seems you know hard for them to to uh, to reconcile, and th- and that varies so much, you know, from from person to person. Like if you talk about uh, like stuff you know within the Quran, where apparently. Uh, you know, you know, some, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad, you know, took a journey to heaven on a winged, you know, horse, you know, it's like, well, there's a bunch of problems with, with that. Um, you know, starting from the beginning and ending at the end, but you know, like that, according to their stories, you know, that has to be, you know, that has to be literal. And so when, when people, when people attribute things like this, I'll always, one of the things, one of the questions I'll ask is. <clears throat> How did you go about determining what was metaphorical versus what was literal right? like like for example, like if you look at the, the the flood, um my understanding is that part of the world uh you know is known as the you know the Iraqi floodplain. So flooding in that area is not uncommon, right? But when people say no, no no, total global, everything done over you know says so in the Bible, then I'm like, well, that's that's troublesome because there are writings from China that predate the flood um go through that period of time and 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 forward right when there would have been no people there and so there are some people that say oh you know local flood uh, and some people say global flood and and so it's like the one of the quite again the question i ask is you know how did you go about determining what was metaphorical versus what was literal, and and that's sometimes the interesting. And there are some people at it that are that are that are better about it, some that are more charitable about it, and then some that are just like, no, this is this is the way it is. Because the hard part for me is there. There are some things that it's like. Well, if this thing isn't literal, like for example, like if uh, like remember when when uh, when Mark asked yesterday about when uh, Jesus would have been crucified. Um, you know, it's like when, when he asked me, you know, I'm like, yes, you know, the, the historical person probably on Friday, because I don't doubt the, I don't doubt that there was a historical person, uh, that was, you know, probably persecuted, you know, and, and killed for whatever it was he said or did to offend, uh, some people in positions of power, but that doesn't speak to his divinity in any way, shape or form. But if you don't have the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, you don't have Christianity so that part has to be literal and and it's always i've always found it interesting the people who will who will assign metaphor to one thing but then you know strap themselves to the you know you know to to whatever thing they have to do to say no no no, that's that's totally literal can
3: i can i attempt to to address this well one second mac what i was going to ask michael was Are you suggesting that there are not highly educated people with advanced degrees in philosophy and theology that are unable to determine correctly basic language and knowing what is literal and what is figurative?
1: No, no, I'd never be so I'd never be so um, pompous to assert something like that.
3: But, I didn't think so. I was just yeah. like, I mean, because I could name like 15 PhDs off the top of my head that take all of those stories that you mentioned literally.
4: Yeah, but you right, know yeah, most yeah, PhDs, yeah. And uh, the consensus just came out. Most of them are atheists. Did you know that?
0: Hang on, let's back up a little bit. I thought I was speaking this whole time and I was on mute. So, I mean, I guess I was speaking, but no one heard me. Um, so, uh, Michael, what I wanted to say first and then, yeah, I want to get everyone else in here. Um, And welcome, Father Chris. Here's your daily reminder that because you are a Calvinist, you are not a Christian. Um, Just to go ahead and start the day with that. Thanks for that. Um, Thanks for that. (laughs) And uh, let's see. Um, Okay, so Michael, yeah, I I mean, I consider myself a a biblical literist, but that also means, you know, there's room that just because I say I'm a biblical literist doesn't mean you have to take the world as six literal 24-hour days because, like, that could literally be incorrect. So even in, like, taking things literally there's there's still like room to move around like well you know what is a day as defined by the bible was that exactly the time structure we have right now uh, so i mean there, you can still be a literalist but you're not beholden to only one specific view because in one specific um, just reading the way that the bible is you can almost be um i don't want to say a total gap theory person but you can go quite a ways from you know the age of the earth being six or seven thousand years um and by the way, the people who do think it's six or seven thousand years, those would both be literalists, but they come up with slightly different days. So anyways, just because you say you're a biblical literalist doesn't automatically pigeonhole you into one specific belief, because things things can be different, um, along those you know, along those those uh building blocks to your conclusion. So just to say that. Um and let's see, who else? Uh yeah, Chris, um I just uh, you know, insulted your religion. So would you like to say anything before we move on to Austin? Yeah, all,
3: all I was gonna say was that Michael brings up a really good point. Okay. And his point is something that we call implicit faith. And uh, this is something I've been thinking a lot about recently. The idea that, that Michael's bringing up is that a lot of people will repeat things based on something somebody else told them without actually investigating it for themselves. And then when Michael presses further and says, what's your grounding for taking whatever, say the flood, Literally, instead of being able to give them their reasons in the literature, you know, and and looking through the passages, they'll just say, Well, I just heard somebody say it. And that's a type of implicit faith. And I think that he's spot on with that. And one of the things that the church has really failed at has been teaching proper hermeneutics, which is a good plug for the class that we had last night basic hermeneutics. Um, and so it's a 12 part series, um, that we're going through. Pastor Mark is leading us and, um, we're going through Howard Hendricks living by the book on Wednesday nights at 9 PM Eastern time. If you don't have the 30 bucks to buy the book and the workbook combo, hit me up in the back channel or hit Steph up in the back channel and we will send you scholarship money.
1: Yeah. And and it's Um, interesting because, and, and I think just to tie into what you said, Chris, and then totally go on, I I didn't want to lose this point. Um, when, you know, when someone says like, if, if, if through the course of conversation, we break it down to, you know, to whatever the lowest common denominator. And if the, if the believer tells me that their lowest common denominator is they accept X, whatever X is, doesn't matter story, whatever it is on faith, then, then I'll usually back off and say, oh, if, if you accept it on faith, that's cool. Because, you know, like Hebrews 11 says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, like, it's, it's kind of in your rule book, right? You have to have faith. So, if that's how you reconcile story X, Y, or Z, I'm cool with that.
4: It's just yeah. crazy that they have to have faith. Like, they, they don't have any justification for their beliefs. That's the crazy part.
3: Well, that's not true, Austin. So, I what I would mean, say is that... justification. Save so i'm very happy to it is based on uh the evidences for the resurrection of christ right and so yeah that's
4: not justification what what is epistemic justification
3: oh my goodness yeah awesome. tell me
4: what what is epistemic justification so, epistemic so do you want to get down like, to solipsism you're, you're right, the only that person is? who
3: exists can we just cut it short and just say that can you're we just solips? cut it short
4: you, you don't know anything about philosophy and you talk down on people like uh, philosophy is right. not necessary we have faith how do you predicate about God? You have
5: faith in the revelation.
4: Through revelation? <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: Yeah, but you still need – there's still like the orthodox are right about this. If any if any of the dom- denominations are true – No, they're not. The they worship
6: Mary and they worship saints and they yes, make this, statues and biblical. they kiss icons. I don't know about your and Bible
4: than you do. That's not biblical. In, <laughs> in the book of Hebrews, it says Christ is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And as a high priest, he ordains. So he ordains the, the apostles in the Last Supper. This is apostolic succession. So apostolic succession. <sighs> wow, you
5: have you no idea what you're talking about. Who, you don't
4: know what you're talking about, Chris. You don't know what justification is. This is why you got to be careful, <laughs> careful to <laughs> you don't say pray to like Mary.
2: Can both
7: of you chill? I mean, like, this would be a great conversation if, like, Austin, you... This guy's saying you shouldn't pray to saints. This guy's saying you shouldn't pray to saints. Yeah, like, uh, saints Austin, are like, God. It. Just chill and make your points. And
5: like do you, you believe
4: in apostolic dialogue. succession?
5: No. Yeah, Austin,
4: Not so the way, you, way you, you do. Not the way you do. No, I don't believe in God. But I know more about theology than you.
2: Well, well Austin, you're you the
3: expert. Teach us all. Thank you, Austin. <laughs>
4: well, I still want you to tell daddy. me what epistemic justification is, Chris. Stop being a pussy. How about you just tell me what epistemic justification is?
0: Oh, if okay, so... Okay, well, there's one rule, and you've managed to fail. So, wow. you know, thanks for playing Try Again. Um, goodness. You know what? Wow. Whenever – oh, this what, what is it with, like, you know, 16-somethings? Um, you know, like that dude the other day, there's like three of them in a row, and now this guy, they show up, there like, philosophy, blah, 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 and just regurgitate to garbage. It doesn't even matter if you're right. Everyone listening is dumber for it. Like, even if you're making excellent points, it's, it's not what you say. It's just in the way. So, you know, if you had a better way about that, and it's unfortunate because, you know, maybe you would have eventually said something that was correct, but no one's going to know it now because you just sound like an arrogant, like teenager who's just rattling off stuff that's regurgitated and you haven't even thought about your own claims. Um, it's, it sounds like something you just read in a book and memorized because you thought it sounded cool. Um, whether or not that's true, that's the impression everyone now has. So, um, yeah, you know, what's, your, again. I think, what's your uh,
3: epistemic I think... justification for saying that? <laughs>
7: Yeah. And and Nate, I think one of the most important things someone like that misses is one of the most important forms of intelligence you can have is emotional intelligence. So if you're just leaning and going in the way you are and you don't have emotional intelligence, then you're not that smart.
0: And I mean, I think what is it? Is it a hallmark of of like an intellect or something like people say? Um, It's like, you know, you know, if you're as smart as you think you are, like one of the hallmarks is being able to take a complex subject and make it simple. So if you're, if you're trying to like, you know, get one over on someone by using like high-minded philosophy, philosophies, philosophies, which by the way, read Romans one, it says something about that. But um, even in good secular human, non-Christian speak, um, if you're trying to like, you know, use all these like big words and philosophical jargon, um, you're not as smart as you think you are. If you were, you'd use small words and dumb it down for the rest of us in a way everyone can understand. Just saying. Uh, Lou.
3: Yeah,
5: I was just going to say communication. I mean, even if I disagree with you, if you could have me understand what you're saying and I could I could wholeheartedly disagree with you cuz I understand, that's that's good for conversation. I'm just saying.
1: I think or, or you yeah. can read
0: or you or you can read basic philosophy, Nate. Um, I don't think you know a thing about me. Um, other than I just gave you the business that you deserved. Um I don't hey, think Michael. you know my philosophical standing. Um, oh hang on, hang on, time out. Uh, Vanyul's here. Um, yeah, let me recap real fast what we're actually talking about. Uh, Vanyul, I, I did watch the whole hour. I don't think I've done that for anyone else. Um, I okay. watched the entire hour of that video you sent me, and um, I I, reca- I recapped it at the very beginning of this. Um, so I guess you can, you can just play it. I start immediately in the podcast. But to recap, um, I, I think the guy's off base. Like, he jumps around. He tries to make his case in Genesis 1 and 2 by jumping like a thousand years in the future uh, to Job and then to Isaiah to make his points. And he just arbitrarily assigns things as metaphors, like for no explanation. He just like, you know, and this is clearly a metaphor. This is clearly a metaphor. I'm like, well, wait, that's, that's not clearly a metaphor that's disputed. Um, So, um, you know, he, he does have reverence. It sounds like for the scripture and for God. Um, So, you know, I guess that's, that's something good in his favor. I just think he's off base with, with the cosmic temple thing. And, uh let's see there's one more thing. I, I do like the joke he makes about how Leviathan is, is God's rubber ducky. Um <laughs> uh cuz he's talking about how other gods like have to conquer something and and you know our god like creates the the most vicious thing and it's it's like a pet for him. Um, what is, what anyway, is this video Nate? What is a I, I tried of po- uh, How do none of you know this? Um okay so it's the link Vangel shared. I thought he shared it to you. Um, I tried posting it in chat, but it it won't let me because you know I guess moderators can't post stuff in their own rooms. It's like you've posted too much recently. I'm like, it's my room. Can I be the judge of that clubhouse? Apparently, I cannot. But Daniel, do you wanna do you wanna post that link in chat since apparently I'm unable to? But yeah, so it's the thing, Vangel It's the thing Daniel shared uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, I gotta meet you. It's a thing Daniel shared a few weeks ago. I thought he showed it to you too, but it's this guy J Robert Middleton. Is that right? And he has this idea that uh, the Genesis 1 and 2, it's like instead of, you know, planets and matter, um, Genesis 2 is the creation of the world and material and stuff like that. But Genesis 1 is the creation of this like cosmic type temple. Um, it's, just, it's just kind of an odd thing. Um, the, the, so the, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't what? hear any of that part.
8: Okay. Just check. Just a better representation of the Genesis One um, Temple. Uh, this one was an exhaustive. Um, there's actually, if you, I'm actually reading the actual book. Uh, it's called A New Heaven and New Earth. Who was another room. I think Chris, they were. Uh, I'm not sure if you was in the room with. Uh, uh, was it Brian, um, Paul, and um, some other individuals? They were. Uh, I was there speaking for a on short the
3: same... time. I wasn't there the whole time.
8: Oh, okay, yeah, because I came at the end and I seen you there, so I thought you was there around the same. You know around the same time they were there they were discussing the book called the new heavens and new earth um and so on and so forth and i think um uh, middleton was expressing something um as part of the book um i'm not sure exactly how much context you 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 got into it nate um the the idea of the the whole video no 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 um i'm talking about overall with with Genesis one, um, I mean, I guess th- that couldn't give you all the details because that wasn't really an a, um, an ex- um, an exhaustive um, study on the topic itself. But uh, John, um, John, uh, what's the name? Uh, John Walton um, does a much more thorough um, explanation on on what the Genesis one account is referring to. Now, it's it's the the point of Genesis one, and you make a distinction between Genesis two, was simply saying that. What was being referred to in Genesis one wasn't um, was painting a different picture than what we assume that it is because if you look at Genesis one and Genesis two, you'll see a lot of different uh, um, distinctions um, that are that seems to differ. Now the overall concept and the idea and the whole flow, you know, it does uh, it's it's still the same story, but it seems what was being um, conveyed in Genesis one was. Uh, a uh, a picture being painted of the cosmic temple. It wasn't necessarily talking about the the construction of the material universe. Now, although it does have material in it, but the the framework um, was something different. Now there was a distinction between a um a uh um material ontology and a uh functional ontology. Now it was it, it, those who hold to the Genesis one concept um says that the you know it's speaking more of a of a functional ontology. In other words, um, like in the ancient Near Eastern belief systems, they didn't believe something was um, created unless it had a function. You know, it's like, you know, even like when we look at trees and when we look at chairs, even though they are made the same material, we we identify them according to their function, not necessarily to their material um, makeup as far as that's concerned. So when you read through how um it was actually see with this you know i wish i had um uh, i wish there was a much more thorough um understanding on it because i don't know the way you explained it nate didn't seem to represent what the, what the idea of what is being taught in the cosmic temple and that may be fault to the actual video that i sent you because it didn't give... well
0: so yeah. I, I well so i mean not to talk well i mean there's a couple okay so we you posted the video and you know the video even if it doesn't do his idea of justice. I mean, it is him talking about his own idea, but, uh, you know, we gave the book and, you know, there's a whole picture of the book. So if Chris, uh, you know, who likes to read, um, can certainly check that out to his heart's desire if he cares, um, and read it and then talk about it. But I would say, you know, like, that's not something I would spend a lot of time with. I'm not convinced. And if it seems like, uh, it's, it just seems like a hobby horse, like, because it has nothing to do with the gospel and whether or not it's true or not, it, it seems like he's he's running down this road so far away, and it's like why, and uh, it, it's like baptized with his tears, right? So it, it, that I mean that's the you wanted my opinion. That's my opinion. Like that's that's what I think. It just felt like one of those things. It's like well, what's the point? Like this doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna make a difference. So if this is a theory, then fine. But to really like push it and like to make it a a, a super big part of your theology, it just seems like. It's it's weird. There's no reason for it. But anyways, yeah. I, uh, yeah post that. Well, hang, well, hang, hang on. I want to I want to move on from this because we're we talking about other stuff. But Vangel, if you can post the video, post, anyone I'll post them wants in the chat can. and then um, you can okay, kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, can look at uh, the book or whatever. Can
8: I
6: ask a couple of quick yeah. questions yeah. to Michael?
0: Uh, hang on. Lou I, was I, trying. Whoa! No one can. Hang hang on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lou is in the middle of speaking, and then Mac, and then uh, CEO. And welcome, Rob. You've, you've hopped into hell.
9: It's right. I got to go back to work anyway. Uh, Lou, go ahead. I got to go back to work. It's cool. Forget
0: speak, it. Lou. Speak. Forget it. No, speak. Okay, Mac.
6: Um. Yeah. So, so Michael is saying that, like, the the flood, for instance, can't be true unless. Uh, you know, or because the, there's lots of problems because the Chinese have writings r- that supposedly predated the flood. But, like, does the Bible not teach that God is infallible and was present during those events and that we are fallible and maybe mistaken about what we believe about history? So, Mac,
1: so the Bible's your final authority, right? Naturally. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, un- so, unfortunately... History it's different. also your final authority. It's also well, your okay. final authority. You just don't obey it yet. So don't don't project on me. That's a good way to get my Irish up. And so even I have to just Canadian, drop everybody. Yeah. Um and yeah, even though I'm Canadian, uh, I, I still have the capacity to be less than charitable. So um so yeah, it's it's not. Don't project onto me. Um you can ask me what I believe, don't tell me what I believe. You don't have access to my private mental thoughts, and the Bible isn't right about this. Full stop. Um and so if if the Bible's your final authority, cool. Unfortunately, recorded history that anybody can look up disagrees with you, as well as every single solitary branch of science. Okay? I'm sorry, there was never well, a one. No, there well, was the never a wrong. Blood.
6: Science is wrong. We're fallible.
1: We used to believe in bloodletting
6: and, and in, you sure, know, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yes. I'm yeah. sorry,
0: Lord. Why am I being punished?
10: Oh, so Nate, Nate can <laughs> I just jump in
0: here real fast,
10: Mac? You know what the difference between sorry, you know what the difference between a young Earth creationist and a kleptomaniac is? Oh no, one no. takes things literally. The other takes things. Literally. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I... yeah, that's that that that's good. You're, you're there's a reason why you're my favorite rabbit on Clubhouse. Um, uh... Uh, But no, no. like if, like Mac, if, if you could, if you could demonstrate the truth of your assertions, you would be the fact that God uh, said them, the fact that God said them, that's all I need. So Mac, I've demonstrated it. There you go. Mac, come on, let your Canadian shine through. Okay. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that the middle of my sentence shouldn't have interrupted the beginning of yours. Okay. So. If, if you have the capacity to demonstrate the things that you believe, fame and fortune await you. Yeah, the fact
6: that God said them means they're true and they've been revealed and proven. Okay.
1: All right, well, All right. what's next?
7: I'd like uh, to get in here real quick. Uh, one comment for Vaniel, one for Michael and Chris to discuss.
11: Um, so, so
7: Vaniel, uh, regarding this video, I haven't seen it, that person in the marketing
0: space. Ah, uh, CEO, you're chopping out. Oh, CEO, we don't hear you. Praise be. Uh Sean, you have yet to speak. Would you like to Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Uh, we heard that, but uh, now let's see if Sean wants to say something since your okay. connection interrupted you. All right. So, you I like say uh, anything, Sean? By Sean, I meant Sean. Uh, but maybe he's sleeping. So, yeah, CEO, go ahead, try again. Go ahead, CEO. <laughs> C-E, no.
1: You're cursed this morning, Nate.
0: I I guess. Like, this is like a... a, a, a what? Like a redo of yesterday? Like, every, every point people have made <laughs> today... Has been like a follow up of what happened yesterday. It's like I, I can't even think right now because my brain's melting out of my ears. But all the stuff that just happened is like a repeat of yesterday. So I, I clearly have done something wrong. Uh, anyways, welcome, Rob. I was just thinking it's been a couple of days since I've uh,
10: seen you. Well, thank you. I'm glad you were thinking of me. Now I came in here. I was just wondering, like, if if you and Mac had had a more recent conversation, or if like you would reach an impasse with Mac's belief that he loves god with all of his heart but god can't love mac and so mac is going to hell um is that's a statement from the case because mac has asserted that that is the case oh that mac's going to hell yes
0: uh well mac sounds weird to my ear is that what you think
6: um, I'm still working it out uh, because of the whole blasphemy against the Holy Spirit thing. Um, but I've taken I've taken what you guys have said, and i am kind of I'm kind of masticating with it. So you've
0: heard Father Chris's spiel about that?
3: Yeah, not, Father Chris. You're not a first century heresy. so well, it doesn't that count is for
0: you. Well, that is then
3: fake.
11: then Chris
6: Chris I gotta I gotta I gotta you know. Um, you know, pu- push back on that a little bit. Why would why would that be preserved for centuries as teaching and for rebuke and stuff like that if it only applied to those? Why doesn't it say this only applies to first century Pharisees? Like, it seems kind of silly. Well,
3: it kind of does. Um, so when Jesus is talking through why the Pharisees don't believe, um, there are a couple of things. First of all, he makes it so so that they don't believe right he taught he teaches in parables it literally says so they will not believe Um, the other thing is that uh, the direct evidence of jesus's messiahship was in front of the very people that were entrusted by god to attest to jesus's messiahship i.e the religious jews And so when he did miracles right in front of their faces, and I'm not talking Benny Hinn miracles here, I'm talking like limbs regrowing in front of their faces. And then they take that evidence that is clearly laid out in the Tanakh as to the identity of the Messiah. And they take and say that the power of God is really the power of Satan. That is such a level of disbelief and uh, disrespect to the God of Israel; that it is akin to the sin of the sons of Eli, in which you know First Samuel three fourteen says that there is never any sacrifice for their sins anymore. It's a parallel to that.
6: So, if I told you right now, if I told you right now that you know Jesus's miracles were that of, of Satan. Uh, then does that qualify me for... for No, because that's just a
3: normal act of disbelief. Um, You know, and every human on the earth who has become a Christian or is not yet a Christian, um, they all do the exact same sin of disbelief. It is not the unforgivable sin.
10: And I'd actually add on one more logical point here, Mac, is that... I think under your belief currently, if you're going to hell, you will be in hell loving God. And so you would not be cursing his name, but yet in hell, you can only curse his name. So that seems also contradictory. So I'd have to go with Chris's reading here that you well, like are well, forgiven. That's a better mindset to be in. You're right. You're
6: right, Rab, in that right now, I think that I would be loving God, but I don't know what my state hell will be maybe i'll be like because right now i'm like well i guess i better like god is my king i'm going to obey him regardless of where i end up you know but but maybe when i'm in hell i'm just going to hate him and i'm gonna i'm you know i'm gonna get through 10 seconds of it and be like man this sucks you know (laughs) and and maybe i maybe uh you know i'll agree with you
0: is the uh is Bible true is what true the Bible.
6: Is the Bible true? Naturally. If the okay. Bible isn't true, so, nothing's true.
0: Sure. Right. So, I mean, you know, whenever, I think whenever people have the scary times in their life, where like, have I blasphemed? Have I did this? And they, you know, do their soul searching and, you know, all, all this stuff. Um, I think some of the verses that come around, like, you know, even in my own life, I'm like, well, look, if the Bible is true, then it's true. And if it's not true, then nothing matters anyway. So like, you know, some of the verses, like, you know, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, you know, no one who calls on the name of the Lord will be, you know, will be put to shame. So I thought, well, if that's true and such a person is calling on the name of the Lord to be saved and, you know, putting their faith in, in God to, to save them. Well, then the Bible says, this that that person the, won't, yeah. well, then the Bible says they won't be put to shame. So right. if they are a, and they call on the name of the Lord to save them, ended up in hell then I guess the Bible is true and nothing matters. Uh, the Bible is a lie and nothing matters anyway. So
6: No, no, because this is the one thing that, that you know, it's the kind of get out of unconditional forgiveness free card for Jesus. You know, like, like uh, you know, like this is the one thing. And, and it's interesting how, like, you know, Chris goes, first of all, Chris's interpretation is not infallible, right? So I don't need to trust it just because Chris said so. Like, I will take, I will take, I will, ta- I will consider it. And stuff like that, but I take a conservative approach. That you know, if I were a betting man, and the book says, like, why, for instance, do we accept the literal six-day creation account? But we need context around this thing that Jesus says is unforgivable. Why do we need context well, for that? But we don't well, need hang context on, hang for on, the man, creation. Well, hang on,
0: Mac. Your wait, wait, Mac. Your uh, mic is popping a little bit. So uh, fix that, or I may not forgive you. Um, so fi- fix that mic. But I think maybe you were confused by what I was saying because you're over-talking me, but I don't necessarily share Chris's take. My point is if the Bible is true on those things, then that means if you are someone who can blaspheme the Holy Spirit right now and, you know, be damned to hell forever. Um, if you also are someone who could call on the name of the Lord for salvation and put your trust in him so you won't be put to shame, then you can't have two at the same time. So if you are someone who, like now, if in 2023 people can blaspheme the Holy Spirit guaranteeing their damnation, Um, then that person cannot call in the name of the Lord for salvation because that would make the Bible also untrue. So the point is, if you are someone who can call on the name of the Lord for salvation and put your faith in him so you will not be put to shame, like the Bible says, then you are someone who cannot have blasphemed or cannot blaspheme. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do that because if you can do that, you are saved. You will not be put to shame. So so, so So that's my case. So if you can call on the name of the Lord to be saved, that means you have not blasphemed, because if you have blasphemed, you would not be a person who calls the name of the Lord to be saved.
10: So, and then, they, despite
0: they, the fact that I have
6: called out to the Lord to be saved, I'm not a Christian because I have blasphemed. There you go.
10: So, I reject so, that.
0: So, so I guess we have the, differing views. If you want to take the glass half empty, then, I mean, I disagree, and, you know, maybe I'll see you in heaven whether or not you think you'll be in heaven.
10: So, wait, so, Mac, the, the danger to this, by the way, for, for realistic purposes, Andrea Yates is a woman who felt the same thing you did. He knew she was destined for hell. He was absolutely going to hell. And she said, you know what? I know babies don't go to hell because that's what I believe. So I will kill my children to you guarantee to them a place in heaven because I'm going to hell anyway. They so do go to hell. She, she felt. So wow. in the sense of. What? OK, what?
0: You're just pew-pewing on everyone's morning.
10: Okay. Yep. that's that's fine. I'll stop there. Then. This is.
12: I appreciated it, Reb. Good try. I got I know.
0: it. So <laughs> yeah. So Mac, that's what I think. Um, it seems like if you honestly believe what you said and you take the 100% opposite view of me, then I guess uh, you know we just differ, and um, you know maybe we'll see you in heaven well, whether you think you're yeah. or
6: not. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to bring this up. Reb insisted. So you know, if we're gonna job, try it out, then, did I
7: did I hear babies go to hell? Is that what I heard? Oh. I didn't want to make sure.
0: Oh, let's yeah. wait a little bit before we touch that, which we tackled it yesterday. But yeah, let's let's deal with yeah, I, 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 the I,
7: non-Christian
6: babies. Yeah,
0: I what's have the a consensus of the room? Mac before yes, he Steph. says more silly stuff
12: um, or, or maybe someone else can tell me uh, what what's the thing that he did that he thinks was blaspheming the Holy Spirit?
6: Um, well, I attributed Jesus's miracles to the devil. Uh, I did it twice in a conversation with Johnny House to prove that I had done it. Uh, I did it with Matt Slick in order because Matt Slick insisted that I was uh, retarded. He literally said okay. I was retarded. So you you
12: have uh, intentionally like, is this something that you had done prior and then no one believed you and now you keep doing it? Correct. Why? Uh,
6: because because they first of all aren't taking my questions seriously. Uh, secondly, and and they're not like actually dealing with the. They're just they're just kind of hand waving away. Uh, you know, Jesus's own words and putting it through a filter of context, even though they don't use context with regard to the creation account, the flood, you know, all these.
12: Okay. So your your method here is that two people who have doctrinal differences with you, you are going around blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's your...
6: Um, well, you. yeah, and then and then Matt Slick said, "Well, you couldn't possibly believe two things at once." To which I responded, "That all kinds of people believe two things at once. That we can't all be oh, Mac, uh, right. uh, uh, theologians and philosophers. And many people hold incoherent views, like Republicans believe could, in." Could you, you just know, do a huge, on, on, you know, blah, Oh blah. my goodness! The Bluetooth.
0: Mac, you've it's got to this. fix your mic. All we hear is crackling and popping, and it is making me violent with Christ-like rage. Can you sorry can you just that. disconnect your Bluetooth? That's okay, I'll that's be better. With rage. No, I don't. So, I don't.
6: Uh, sorry.
12: All right. So Mac, are you like you don't consider yourself a Christian, but you believe every word of the Bible? You I are. I do
6: consider myself a Christian. Yeah.
12: You're just a Christian who has and continues to say the worst thing he can think of.
6: Well, is that indeed the worst thing in the world? Like, I I no, only no, believe it's on. the worst thing I, in order I'm to
12: stepping into your world. This is you have identified mm. this as the thing that is either a guaranteed ticket to hell. So, in your world, this is the worst thing you can think of, right?
6: It's the worst thing that the Bible apparently thinks of. Apparently,
12: Which, but you said that the Bible yeah. is true, so this is also yeah. the worst thing you can think of.
6: True. Okay. Yeah, okay. All sure. right. Yeah. Yeah. The property.
12: So you would I yes. So you would identify uh, yourself as a Christian, but a Christian who goes around saying the worst thing he can think of to prove a point.
6: Went around, by the way, I'm not going to do, I'm not, the point's been made.
12: Oh, Okay. So this isn't something you're continuing to do.
6: Uh, I don't intend to No,
12: Mac. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I don't think that what you have, I agree with Chris on this. I don't think that's blaspheming the Holy spirit. I think that at this point it's just like complete, um, you know, like when a teenager is talking back to their parents and they're like, No, Bleh. now you're condescending like, to me. No, hold on, hold on. Yes, I'm about to a little bit because this is how silly I think this is. Um, you're doing the thing that a rebellious teenager does, right? Matt Slick going, literally banned me to hell. Matt Slick to told hate. me I
6: was going to hell.
12: I know. Okay, Matt Slick says that to everybody. I'm not a big Matt Slick. Like He, hey. he says that God doesn't love people. It, it's fine. He has these he different doesn't. views, okay? Right. You didn't love the people he killed in the flood. I'm not defending Matt Slick here. What I'm saying is that you are, the cognitive dissonance in your brain must be giving you a perpetual headache because you're saying that you believe the Bible is true and you want to be a Christian. You identify as a Christian, yet you're going around like a rebellious teenager yelling in Christians' faces about, look at me, I'm over here blaspheming. Just stop it, man. Just stop it. Go, go. Like work on your garden. Go read your Bible. Go uh, to your kids play at school. Like stop that.
6: Steph, people like Democrats believe that Trump is both incompetent and stupid. Right and no, no, no. I'm I'm demonstrating that people have conflicting beliefs sometimes. Democrats believe that Trump is both impossibly conniving and clever, and and you know and and deceitful and whatever, and that he's an idiot.
12: Yes, I agree right. with that. So, However, so are they coherent. aware of that belief, Mac? Do they realize that they have this cognitive dissonance when they make uh, arguments? Some of them do.
6: Some of them but, do and are just so dedicated so to their cause. that are they are saying, you
12: know, Mac, that you want to be in the same boat with the person that you see having that much cognitive dissonance. That's the boat you're choosing to go sit
6: in right now. It's not that I want to. It's that I'm faced with two kind of conflicting, uh, conflicting propositions, correct. and I have no way of determining which one is correct.
12: You do, because the simplest no. answer is that what I have done must not be blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and that's what Nate just told you. The well, Occam's that's Razor just you're here telling is yourself what I'm doing. No, I have no reason to tell myself this. I just think that your logic is faulty and flimsy.
0: Well, you're trying to—I mean, you're trying to like—you're like a step away from being one of those monks that like beat themselves with whips. Yes. Like you're on one hand, you're saying, "No, Chris, yours is too easy, and that's that's too easy." You're looking at the glass half full approach that I can't do it. But on the other hand, you're giving incredible deference to Matt Slick, who is like, "He damned me to hell!" Like, why? Why? Like, why? Why are you? I mean, I understand error on the side of caution. I I understand. I understand. I understand error on the side of caution. I typically, you know, advocate for that stance. But I mean, yeah. I mean I guess you had your reason, you were about to say it, but I mean there's nowhere else to go with this. Like, you know, ninety nine Christians say no, we don't think you've done that and you've heard the old trope, which, you know, it's just a cliche, but it's like if you if you're concerned whether or not you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, chances are you haven't. Because if you have, you wouldn't care, you wouldn't be concerned. Um, but you know, that's just a thing which you'll be like, Well, how do you know that's true? Well okay, I, it was just rap.
6: It was Rap who brought it up and I think Rap just enjoyed throwing the grenade into the the you know, phrase
12: Dude, no, though But I mean the genuinely just okay mac the reason that i have concern about this is that this is a horrific christian witness okay and and here's the thing when i see people come on this stage like michael if michael doesn't claim the name of christ and he doesn't claim the label of christian i am much less bothered by anything michael might have to say because he's saying michael says da 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 you are walking around claiming the title of christian in the name of christ and then you are saying, I have blasphemed and watch. I'll do it again. This is, a, this is like, it's well, a I don't disgusting.
6: intend to do that again. I Listen, don't intend to do that again.
12: Well, you're bragging about having done it. Like you. I'm not bragging. I'm pointing Mac, out Mac. Stop interrupting.
6: So God if, has more you well, you're want, slandering
7: me. Right
12: hold on. Do you want other people to come to Christ? Well, type it in the chat. I as Okay. I'm assuming that if he believes every word the Bible is said, the Bible says, okay, that he believes he understands the Great Commission, he understands its purpose, and he wants other people to come to Christ, right? If he does, he needs to stop this asinine, uh, self flogging, uh, teenage rebellious behavior because it's just a terrible, terrible witness. And this is what Rab was pointing out. Rab, what? another resident uh, atheist, is saying this is a dangerous mindset and a bunch of horrible ideas, and it's it, like I completely agree.
10: Yeah, and, and I, I actually don't have a worry that he's going to prophesize to others to a degree. I don't think what he's doing is actually a great message. I actually, he feels like every time I hear from him, every time I see him in text chat, I'm just feeling he's a he's someone in enormous pain and he's just someone really suffering. And I feel horrible for him that he's just like, as another human, he's someone shouldn't be in that much like mental anguish. And so honestly, I was bringing it up hoping that Chris and or Nate could kind of start steering him towards maybe he's not doomed to be eternally tortured because that's just like, yeah,
0: I, I, I get it. And, um, you know, I mean, there's nowhere else to go, right? Like when, when I think everyone, uh, you know, at these, at these parts in their life where they're like, have I, have I done this thing called sin too much? Have I blasphemed? Have I, you know, am I really a Christian? Like, you know, everyone kind of finds solace eventually after their, you know, self-imposed turmoil or whatever. Um, in in these scriptures because it's like well look if the bible is true then this is true and if i'm calling on christ i'm saved and look also in uh was it corinthians or it's what paul's talking he's like look i'm not writing these letters to just to be mean uh when he's criticizing them and you know calling them out for all their messed up stuff they've been doing he's like look godly sorrow produces repentance and he's like you know that's the hope we have that you know if it's godly sorrow we repent and then he applauds them and says look i didn't mean to cause you pain but the fact that it did cause you pain, Matt, uh, because you were led to this godly sorrow, and that produces repentance, which is hope, it's not like those in the world who have no hope because they're truly screwed. Um, but if you're following Christ, then you have this godly sorrow, and the end result is repentance that leads to eternal life. Um, so, I mean, there, there's nothing um, – I, I mean, I'm not the most emotional, touchy-feely person you're going to meet, but that is, I think – putting the Bible to, to the test and, you know, based on what it says. So it's like, if the Bible is true, then all of it is true. And there you go. So if you're calling on the name of the Lord, you cannot have been someone who blasphemed because then you would not be because that would make the Bible false. And beyond that, it's like, well, look, if you, um, you know, either you're saved or you're not. I and everyone else you're talking to, except the few people who have damned you to hell uh, thinks that, you know, you have not done this evil that cannot be, you know, salvaged, um, you know, into good. But if you think you have, then, you know, you're saved or you're not. There's nowhere else to go with that. Um,
1: it, it, seems, it seems super weird. And I, I don't want to necessarily beat this horse. I mean, we're, we're starting to... The horse is decomposing as we're beating it to death. Um, but it, it's like, if, if, if Mac truly believes what he believes, then you know, it's like, if, if I actually thought, like, if it, if it was the case that Romans 1 is true... And I, I, in my, you know, deep down, I know it's true and I'm just suppressing the truth in my unrighteousness. I would not poke that bear because like, you know, like the idea of hell, like, I don't care who you talk to, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm a pretty hardcore atheist, but the, the concept of hell, you know, eternal conscious torment is blood curdlingly terrifying. If I, if I was Mac and I believed that it was true, I would not poke that bear. I would do, I would do the antithesis of what Mac did. And I would try to do that as much as I could for as long as I could and hope that, um, you know, God looked uh, on me with, with favor. Right. Um, so Mac, as an example, like if you're looking for someone, like if everything you say is true and I believe it's not, but I am like, because I have like, according to Mark three twenty nine, I have blasphemed the Holy spirit and I don't lose a millisecond sleep over it. It's so, like, huh. you know, it, like it's, it's, it's just not something that it's not something that enters into my stream of consciousness about worry. Right. If it does work and, and because I've done a little bit of reading too, I, I agree with Nate on this point. If you're worried about it, you probably shouldn't be worried about it. Hey, can I Can I chime in, Mike?
11: Of course, yeah. Help yourself. Oh, hey, Ed, how you doing? Haven't seen you in a long time. Hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is uh, – right, many years ago when I became a Christian, I had thought I committed this sin, a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, because when, when I was not a Christian, there was a time I got angry and I cursed God, and I was worried that I committed this sin, uh, and I felt there was times or a few days where I thought I was going to hell. This is when I started reading the Bible. And I don't think I was a Christian at the time, but I was seeking. And I feared. I committed this sin. And it was hopeless for me. Uh, but thankfully, I heard some good teaching that I, I didn't commit the sin. I, I don't know, Mike, why Why do you believe you comm- – I just did some clarification. Why do you believe you committed that sin? Oh, I think what, you what? missed that party. Well, yeah, yeah no, sorry. It's, it, and, and, yeah,
1: and I don't necessarily want to because I think, I think Nate's looking for an axe for himself right now. Um, but okay. I, I don't like. Basically, I, I've done I've done all of the bad things according to Mark three twenty nine, um, and and it's funny because I've spoken to I should uh, insert this caveat mm-hmm. I've spoken to people who would agree with Chris that that have said like and this is their belief right that they don't believe that based on how that like if you if you look at the context of how that scripture is written they don't believe I have the capacity to blaspheme as the scripture is written and to that I've said okay. Cool you know like that 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 you know so if I step inside your worldview assuming it's all true, then that would give me a sense of relief because I couldn't do what you know a plain just a plain reading of the text, not diving into not diving into deep study, plain reading of the okay. text I've done it, deep dive study probably haven't okay, cool
11: yeah, oh the reason why I ask is because many times people believe that oh because if they curse God, they think, oh I'm the Holy Spirit that's not. I don't know if this was addressed or I'm sure. I think Chris, uh, his previous, he probably mentioned this that it's his believing that Jesus did his miracles by the power of Beelzebub. So I was just wondering if you ever, if you believe that Jesus did his power, did his miracles by the power of the devil. I don't sense you believe that.
1: Well, no, I I don't think the de- like. I mean, I of course not. I don't think the devil's a thing.
11: Yeah, yeah. So that's why I was just one clarification on why you believe you committed that sin. That, that's it. So
0: well, I mean, to Chris's point though, like I mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, like, I want to hedge against it, but I mean, I think, you know, to be pro-Chris uh, for a minute, I mean, there is something to it, right? Because if, if Jesus appears to you literally in flesh and blood and does a miracle and you call that the work of the devil, then, you know, that is definitely blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But if you read the Bible and then say, no, no, I, I believe all this stuff and I believe Jesus did this and I also believe it was under the power of Satan, well— you're still you it's not a one for one because you're not criticizing like you saw this you're like i don't know criticizing criticizing the account of this happening or you did this or even if you if you know that you know right that jesus in flesh and blood did all this and then you're attributing to the power of the dark one um that's still a faith position because you can't say you can say you know but everyone else is going to be like okay well you really believe these events happened because you can't prove it all you have is historical accounts so even at that Like, trying to be really generous to help someone blaspheme, um, it would still be a difficult case uh, unless, you know, you you just believe Jesus, uh, yeah. I mean, unless he, like, literally showed up just like the Pharisees when they said that, and the events played out just how they did with you, you know, attributing it to Satan. Because otherwise, you're criticizing the account, not Jesus, because you don't have Jesus literally in front of you doing miracles to criticize and to say is evil.
1: Yeah. And I mean, who knows? Like, I mean, if, like, if something were to, um, uh, Christopher Hitchens talked about this a little bit in, uh, God is not great. He said, uh, you know, he said there's, there's basically two options. You know, if you, if you are confronted by a person on the street who you saw three days prior, uh, you know, die on a cross, there are two possibilities. One, uh, you know, the story, the, the story is true as presented or two you're under a misapprehension and and I think that, that I think that's that's probably that's probably the case and so I would I would hope that I would trust my faculties enough to to accept what it was that I was seeing um, I'm not sure given what I given what I do for a living I'm not sure that I would be able to not want to have myself committed Um, you know, but, but I, so I, I don't know, but my hope would be that if I did see this thing, like, like, you know, Nate was saying, and that, you know, that, you know, Ed, Ed talked about, you know, in the, but that if I did see something like that, then that would be, then that would be the, the convincing thing. And then my doxastic involuntarism takes, uh, involuntarism takes over and I'm a Christian.
0: Um, and yeah, just to wrap this up, uh, Mac. The reason we're not letting you defend yourself is because no one—that's th- not the type of thing. If you think this is where you need to defend, you've missed the entire point And you know, do what you will. Um, talk to Jamesy. I think that's his motto. <laughs> um, don't really. But uh, it's not a—it's not a position like you know we're we're saying something negative about you. Like everyone here is offering helpful advice. Goodness, even the atheists are you know doing their part to offer helpful advice. It's not like you know people trying to you know, damn you to hell, like I guess your previous encounters. So there's no reason to defend, um, you know, take what's being said and, you know, hopefully you listen to it and, you know, pray about it. Uh, but if not, you know, it's it's your choice. So it's not like a, you need to defend yourself because you're put on trial. Um, it's the opposite. Um, but Phil, welcome, Phil. What's up?
13: Hello. Hello. Um, How are you doing? So I was I just have a first let me add some context to this. I've been trying praying in tongues for a minute now, and one thing that I did was uh, I used to pray in tongues, but I wouldn't really. My mind was unfruitful. I would be thinking about all types of stuff while I was praying. So today, I kind of experimented with. I saw an article that told me when we pray, we should pray in in truth and with truth. It was something about mind and truth, or something like that. And today, I tried to focus on the tongues—the actual audible sounds coming out of my mouth—and I felt the Lord's overwhelming presence today. Um, it felt like somebody was—it felt like he was just lean It felt like he leaned over and he was looking at me, but it's like he wasn't mad at me. It's like it's like he wasn't really mad. Like he was just—it's like he just was like—it's overwhelmed. It was like a lot too, like. I had to stop praying because it was like that presence was like, is it normal? To, so my question basically is, is it normal to be scared of God? Like kind of scared of him a little bit? Like,
0: uh, Well, that, I mean, that was a different question than what, than what I thought you were going. But uh, well, I, what, I would say. You know, we, I, I can
13: would say an, we can answer. What was the question that you thought I was going to answer? And then we can answer that one.
0: Uh, something I, about tongues. But uh, I, I would. Okay. Well, yeah, the, the second part first. Because you, you're going uh, about tongues in this room. Like, uh, you're getting, there's different, there's a variety of beliefs. So you're going to get a variety of answers. So I think the simple one first is the last part of that. Is it, is it normal to be scared of God, especially as, you know, as a Christian, as a servant of Christ, I'd say, you know, normal may not be the word, but I think, you know, when the Bible talks about, you know, the beginning of wisdom, like fear of fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and you know, there is a very holy reverence. So even if we should not be scared of God, like, you know, the Bible talks about keeping a clear, a clear conscience before God so we can boldly go into the throne room and, you know, and make our requests and petitions and prayers Man. known. So uh-huh.
13: that presence was not of this world. It was like it was too glorious. And when I say that I'm scared of him, it's more of like it's, it's like right. I love him a lot, but it's more like a it was more of a it's these things are hard to describe. I understand.
0: What, yeah. Let me take a crack at it. Cause I think a lot of Christians will know what you're saying. Um, I, I would like to say I've been in the place before where, you know, when you, when you really realize, or, you know, get a glimpse of this presence of the real God that us Christians are talking about. Um, then yeah, I mean, you know, for the other side, it says, you know, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, of, of God. Um, but as a Christian, someone who's been saved by this God, it's equally as daunting, except there's hope on the other side. So it's like, This God who could crush me like a bug and do everything like this this most holy, powerful, sovereign being ever uh, still chose to reconcile us to himself. So on one hand, it's like, oh, my goodness, this is the most powerful being ever. And they also loved me enough to come in the form of Christ and die to redeem me. So it's like a wow, scary. And then wow, awesome. So I get it.
13: I honestly just came into this room. To ask that question, really just to vent, I'm going to be real with you. Like, it wasn't, like, the question, I kind of known the answer. Like, you said the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. I already knew that. I just kind of had to vent. Like, because that experience, it was, it was, like, I've been praying for all these months, and I feel like I basically was doing it wrong until today.
0: Well, it sounds like we have the other side of the coin to, to Mac. I don't know if you guys can, can take a page out of each other's books, but, um, is that Providence? I don't know. But I, I mean, I, I get it, Phil. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I understand.
13: And my next question is, so this whole, all the times that I was praying, why did, uh, like, like, why would God, like, like why would God wait till today to, to, to like, you know, to do this, to like, Was it because today is the day I finally focused on my tongues?
0: I want to say probably not to that. Um, You know, like when when we're talking about tongues, like, again, get ready for a variety of answers. Um, But when we're talking about tongues, like, you know, the Bible talks about when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit will pray for you with groanings and utterings that you don't know. And people will commonly associate that to tongues like I would. So if this is you, your private time, you know, you're not doing this like on, on stage or in front of people with no interpreter or something like that. So, not tongues in that sense, but like the this with these groaning and and utterings, like it sounded like. So, I wouldn't say like if the focus is to make weird sounding audible sounds, that's probably not the right way to go about it. But if somehow you know you're really focusing on God, um, it was real. Yeah, what, what, what I'm saying is if you're focusing on God and you're attributing that to focusing on tongues, I would not give the focusing on what you're trying to do with your words credit i would say it's more likely that somewhere in there you're actually focusing on god and yeah. you know it just so happened you're making the sounds with your mouth that's my best yeah not yeah. knowing you at all guess
13: yeah what i think happened was i was babbling for a long time well, well it wasn't babbling i was praying but my mind wasn't there so it's like maybe i don't know it was maybe like my prayers was like effective or something i don't know But that overwhelming presence of the Lord, I don't know if now I'm realizing that a lot of people just have knowledge. Because if you feel that presence, there's how can there's no way you can ever go back to a life of sin.
0: Well, people, never say never, because we're gonna. I mean, a life of sin, sure, but I mean, you know, we're we're gonna be fallen humans until the day we die. We just do the best we can to follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah we
13: do. We do the best we can, but. Like just a will, you know, a life of willfully sinning. Like, obviously, we're gonna make mistakes, but like, you know, when you feel that presence, that you're gonna to want to make him, you're gonna to want to get to know him more when you feel are, that.
3: Are you saying that you're no longer going to sin ever again? Uh, no, 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 didn't say no. no, no we
0: clarified.
13: No. I'm, what I'm
3: saying is that for if you
13: felt that presence, there's no way that you can ever, like, 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 how could a person possibly say that they're gonna go? they're gonna not they're gonna try and they're not gonna try and get to know him how can somebody say feel that and then say they're they they're they're going to that they
0: call it per, you would call it perseverance of the saints chris
13: so i I genuinely don't believe that people felt that that I don't believe that as many, I don't believe that people really know him because if you, if you know that, if you felt that,
0: well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know to degree what degree people have experienced this. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to cast judgment on, you know, all of Christendom. Um, but I would also, you know, say, uh, that's definitely more than a feeling and more than an emotion. And I would encourage anyone, I'm sure you're not doing this, not to put stock in a feeling or emotion because uh, you know, that if that goes away or your feeling change, you're like, well, did I lose it? Am I unsaved now at this point? Like, you know, what happened? What went wrong? Um, So, I mean, ultimately it is a faith. It's not a feeling, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think there is a presence and there are feelings associated with it. Um, But that's not the marker of being saved. You know, putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone is the marker of being saved. So, um, Anyway, and I'm sure you know that and believe all that already, but just yeah. in case anyone's listening. Steph, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> Apparently nothing.
14: <laughs> if I may. Yes. Good morning, Good morning. everyone.
0: Good uh, morning.
14: I'm going to say this like this. Uh, and I think, and Nate, you, you expounded on it so beautifully. The Bible says in First Corinthians 14, 2, if a man speaketh in an unknown tongue, he speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the Spirit he's he, he speaketh mysteries. And there's a reason I'm using the King James. Uh, because you got to realize it's not a babbling, it's not a vain sound. It is a it is a language given to you you never spoke the language before, and you don't know the language naturally. Like I have spoken in Chinese before and interpreted, but guess what? If you put a, a, some Chinese in front of me, I'm not going to be able to read it. I, I somebody somebody told me I spoke Swahili one time. I don't know any Swahili words. <laughs> All right, uh, but the the key is you. It's, it's the language God wants you to talk to him in. It's, it says you pray in the spirit and you pray with the understanding as well. In the spirit, that's the that's the tongues, your private time with the Lord. Now, if you're in a church setting, then there's got to it's be an interpreter. But if there is no interpreter, that's when you go home and you talk to the Lord between you and the Lord. Or you do it very quietly in the church setting when no one can hear you but the Lord. Uh in a whispering tone, if if you will. Um, especially if you like it, like you still got like an hour of church service left. <laughs> Preacher hasn't got up to preach yet. The uh, But the scripture really is clear. It's in uh, verse 22, it says, how is it then, brethren? When you come together, each of you should have a, a song, should have a, teaching should have a tongue should have an interpretation have a prophecy let all things be done for edification which means for the building up and when you are doing that according to june 20 you're building yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit but when there's when it's corporate worship time well let me tell you it should be an interpreter unless it's unless the whole church is praying that way and there's no one who's uninformed i mean those who have never done it or are have an aversion to it. Thank you,
0: uh, Phil. You got a response?
13: Oh, sorry. To, the ending part. The ending part kind of. The ending part I didn't really hear it. Sorry. Um, but I heard a little. I heard a majority. Of it. Yeah, it, that, that's definitely the truth. Um, that's the, the understanding part too, where we cannot. When it comes to these prayers, we cannot BS it, yo. We can't like, the, like, like we, like we, we really have to just fully invest it into fully invest all of ourself into these prayers and the Lord will show himself. You have to really focus. Like praying is intentional. Like p- we can't just open our mouth and speak tongues. We have to be intentional with it is what I learned t- this morning. It has to be really in- very, very, in- very intentional. It's almost like meditating, meditation in a way, where you have to focus. Yes. Um, and another thing, I'm, what got what me today, what got me today was, what really got me was that he wasn't, the presence, he wasn't even mad at me. Like, let me tell you, like, that's what really I mean,
0: me. it makes sense.
13: Nah, but like, listen, I'm not a. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of like a. Like like it was. It was. It. He was. He just. It's like he was just leaning over. It felt like I could feel him leaning over. I felt him leaning over and just watching me and just. He was in. He was just. He just was. Sorry, I'm trying to describe this thing. He just was like a father. It was just like a father that was that's just looking at you, like not judging you. And I never had, I'm not even, this is not a room for that though, but. um,
3: Phil, let me give you the perspective from 50 years later, okay? So my mom is now in her late 70s. She had the exact same kind of experience That you did back in 1979. Okay. So, not quite 50 years. We'll call it 40. Her entire spiritual life was completely stunted because she was pursuing a feeling for 40 years. And it became like ash to her. Because instead of studying God's word, fellowshipping with other Christians at church, she focused on her feelings and it was absolutely detrimental to her spiritual growth. What I would encourage you to do is instead of focusing in on an experience, I would encourage you to open the word of God, learn how to read the word of God and commune with the word of God in your mind. And that is what is going to be profitable. Chasing after a feeling, chasing after this feeling of God's presence, I guarantee you will be a fruitless task.
0: Remember when I said you were going to get different opinions? <laughs> For the record, I, uh, I believe what Sean said. But also a little bit what Chris said, like, you know, don't, don't chase a feeling. So, if, you know, if it happens, great, wonderful. Praise God. Uh, but don't chase that. Chase God. It's more
13: It's more of me just wanting to vent, honestly, just talk about it. I needed to talk about it, and maybe this wasn't the room for that. But
0: No, I think, I mean, it, it, the testament would be this is the room for that because we've been talking about it for 20 minutes. So yeah, I, I, I think this has been the room for that. Um, yeah. So I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, thanks for that platform. Amen. Sure. Uh, what's Amen. up, Dot? Oh, who else wanted to talk?
14: Let me just say this. And I got to agree with Chris. Listen, don't get so far off into the tongues that it takes you away from the, the word. See, the gifts are for the edification of the church. So when every, any gift that God gives you, tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing, working of miracles, discerning of spirits, interpretation of tongues, hallelujah, the gift of faith. Whatever gift in those nine that the Lord gives you is for the edification of his church. Of his church. And you can't do it whenever you want to. It's as he wills. First Corinthians 12, 11. The Holy Spirit. It's according to the Holy Spirit's will whether these gifts operate in you or not. And finally, you. some folks have been so drawn, and Chris is right, some folks have gotten to fanaticism just, just tongues, tongues, tongues. No, no, no. Now I, 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 I'm like, I'm like Paul. I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than y'all but I don't glorify the gift over the God.
15: Gift-giver?
14: The God of the gifts. If I can make that make sense, that makes sense. Amen. Thank you, Chris. I mean, uh, Nate. But the, um, yeah, y'all starting to sound like something wrong.
13: <laughs> <laughs> but the gift itself glorifies God because when we speak in tongues, we are. We are praising him.
12: I wanted to, I missed the part about the tongues. I heard about the presence and so I guess what I'm about to say doesn't apply to the tongues part because I had walked away and I missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do agree with Chris on this one. Uh, that I had an experience like you where when I was in college, I felt, The presence of God. Like I was just walking between classes, and I felt like I had been hit by a car. Like it was this incredibly um, intense physical experience. And I said, I mean, it wasn't painful. I did, yeah, that's not the right, whatever. So I I had this experience that you're saying, where I suddenly became so intensely aware of the presence of God, and I was terrified, and I was in awe. Um, It was, it was awesome. It was beautiful. It was like heavy. It was the heaviest realest thing I've ever felt in my life. Um, and so then I had, I, I don't know how much time I spent, but I just sat where I was and just spent time with the Lord and, and life was going on around me and I was unaware of it. Um, and it was this really amazing thing and I have never had that happen since. Um, but I returned to that memory often as a recognition that the Lord knew that that was a time that I needed it. Um, there was so much going on in my life and I don't know, which way I would have gone had that not happened. Um but it was like the lord just took me by the shoulders and shook me and stared me in the eye, right? And I can't say he told me this, he told me that there was nothing audible. Um it was just this intense real awareness. So, I think maybe what you're describing I could relate to as well, but like I said, that was 12 years ago and it has never happened since. Um and I'm okay with that. Like I don't I don't feel like God has abandoned me. I feel like he's Like I I constantly live with that reminder of he's there. Right. So I think Chris is right. Don't chase it. But it's it. I think it's been it's been a good thing for me to really treasure that memory. I can pull up the sensation right now just sitting here describing it to you. So it's as real as though it was happening now. So, yeah, treasure it and hold on to it. But like Chris says, like his mom, don't live there. Don't chase it. You know, does that make sense?
0: And uh, hang on, I wanted to hear from, we have two new people I wanted to hear from real fast. Oh, and Dot, uh, you too. but um, ladies first. Uh, Gia, what's up? Did you have anything to say about this?
16: Yeah, so um, I actually had a question. Um, I had two questions, but I could, if, um, if it takes too long, I don't mind waiting. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask what the difference is between the tongues that were being spoken um, at Pentecost when they were speaking foreign languages and um, the gift that I guess people have today where they can speak to God because, I don't know, sometimes I just feel like I'm less of a Christian because I've been to a church where they say that every believer um, has the gift of tongues and I don't. And also I've read 1 Corinthians 12.30 where Paul said do all have the gift of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. So that kind of made me think okay, I don't think everyone can do it. So I guess I just wanted to know what you guys think of this. Well, so I, I think have I never mean the first thing in tongues either.
0: Yeah, I mean the the thing in foreign languages, that's that's like a different category. That's the gift of tongues, right, where there needs to be an interpreter and the whole thing was so people would believe. Like Sean, they you don't speak swahili and uh then you, they'll be like to james he's like well how do you know that how does he know you know he he did I'm like well maybe he was i don't know in africa and someone who spoke swahili is like how did you know my language he's like bro i don't so that's that was one of the big signs is so people will believe and be like these people are uned- uneducated like fishermen right remember in the bible he's like how are they doing this how are they speaking all this so it was a sign for people that they would believe and be like wow that is awesome um as far as the as, as like the spiritual groans and utterings. I mean, on its face, anyone can be like, blah, 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 right? So it's not, it's not the syllables. It's not making it sound like, you know, some glossolalia-type thing. That, that's not the point. The point is if, if someone is like crying out, like in this guttural, like, help me God, like in the, not just like, oh, Lord, thank you for this food I'm about to eat. God is great. Uh, help my day. But like something you're like in the, the quagmire and you're like have this guttural, like crying out to God. Then it's not about the sound like you, I mean, you, you could quite literally be wailing like, ah, you know, I'm I'm in such pain or such problems. Um, it just so happens through, I don't know, culture or whatever, that people will do this kind of like glossy on type stuff where, you know, it sounds how, you know, it sounds. Um, but the power is not in the words, The power, especially, you know, you're not doing this for another language. You're not doing this for a miracle. So unbelievers, this is like your private time with God. Like, you know, the Bible talks about like a like a prayer closet or something like, you know, no one else is around. This is you and God's time. And that's that's when this stuff, I think, will happen where, you know, it can be a groaning. It can be uttering like the syllable. The sounds do not matter. It's when you get to such a place that you're crying out to God from like the deepest part of yourself that that's when people will attribute it to that. So it doesn't matter what sound you make, it doesn't matter if you're crying, it doesn't matter if you're, I don't know, yawning. So the sound is not important. It's the, the point that you're calling out from like the deepest part of yourself with like groanings or moanings or stuff that you know doesn't even make words. So God is not honoring you know the sounds. God is honoring you calling out to him from like the deepest part of yourself, which usually is when something really rough is going on to someone's life. And they're like, I know I don't have the answer. You're my only hope. Um, that's my answer.
17: Hey, good morning,
0: everybody. Morning, Harold. Uh, Good morning. Did you want to answer this? And then I want to see what Ms. had to say. What do you want to uh, speak to, Harold? Yeah,
17: first thing I'll say is I definitely agree with Chris um, 100% on what he said. Because I even had a a situation last night when I was in prayer uh, at my bedside. Uh, I wasn't speaking in tongues, but. I had just gotten done doing a bit of reading in the scriptures. And, um, as I went down in prayer, uh, certain things that I had been reading, God was revealing, or I believe God was revealing more truth and giving more understanding of what I had been reading and He was connecting, uh, all these different, uh, Scripture started connecting in my in my uh, in my prayer uh, as far as pertaining to what I was, reading. and um, it was a very joyous experience. And it was a bit of feeling, you know, like oh, like oh my gosh, like I can't believe this is happening. And there were certain instances while I was praying, I would I would begin to I would kind of sit for a moment in awe of what was being what what i was gaining an understanding on and then there were even a, a couple instances where i would begin to laugh hysterically not not as in like oh you know not that holy ghost laugh and all those kind of not not that kind of thing no uh and not that it was comical but i was i was so awestruck by what was being revealed to me in prayer That I just couldn't help but to laugh because it's like, oh, my gosh, like this is amazing. But but again, like Chris was saying, I don't focus on the feeling. I just focus on the fact that, hey, I'm being obedient to God's word in the sense of, you know, Paul says, I will that men pray always. Uh, So ultimately, it's about your obedience to the to the word of God, you know, um, as a you know, as a manifestation of your faith you know, uh, and outward, I guess if, if you want to put it outward expression of your faith or, you know, outward expression of God's grace shining in your heart, however you want to put it, um, you know, but that's the ultimate goal is not seeking the feeling because there's going to be innumerable amount of times that you go down in prayer and you're never going to feel anything. In fact, majority of the time, you're going to feel you're going to lack so much feeling to the point that you're going to, even in your mind, like, Oh my God, I don't feel like praying right now. I can't stand to pray right about now, but you, but out of obedience and out of your will and the breaking of the flesh, you know, you do it anyway. Um, But in reference to what Gia was asking um, to help you, Number one don't feel I, I don't want to say uh I, I, what I really what I really would like to encourage you in is don't allow the enemy to accuse you and make you feel like you're any less than a Christian uh because you know the book of I believe it's first John, the Bible says clearly that when our heart condemns us, it says that God is greater than our hearts. So don't allow yourself to feel condemned because you're not in the number so-called of speaking in tongues because, you know, that's that's just not it. And you brought out the right verse. Do all speak in tongues? Do we have any record of everyone in the scripture speaking in tongues? No. Do we have record of all the apostles and all the disciples speaking in tongues? No. Uh, Even Jesus, for example. Jesus... The Bible, I, what is it? The gospel speak of maybe like two instances where Jesus spoke in another language or something like that. Well, anyway, that's not the point. I would definitely encourage you, Gia, to gain a better understanding of what Acts chapter two is is speaking is is exemplifying and what Paul is exempt of exemplifying in first Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 is I would, I would highly encourage you to go back into the Old Testament and read the references that the apostles themselves reference to build their arguments around or to explain what was taking place. So, for example, Acts chapter 2.
0: Harold, can you shut the, your car door? What's up? Can you shut your car door?
17: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Put your seatbelt on.
17: And then someone so conveniently turns their car on as I'm turning my car off. Um so in reference to uh uh Acts chapter 2 it would be imperative that you go back to the book of Joel chapter 2 or actually just read the whole just read like the first half of Joel to understand in depth on what Peter is speaking out when he says this is this is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel says that God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall dream dreams you know, they shall prophesy and what have you. uh. And then the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 is basing majority of his argument pertaining to tongues off of uh, uh, prophecy in Isaiah. I believe it's either chapter, I think it's chapter 28, if I'm not mistaken. He's basing the argument of tongues off of that. So Isaiah 28. I, yeah, Isaiah chapter 28. So when you understand, if you if you go back and understand what they're referencing in the Old Testament, it'll better clarify exactly what they're speaking of in the New Testament and how they're bringing forth the revelation pertaining to those uh, those things. And and by the way, I'm going to tell you now uh, what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14 pertaining to tongues. I hate to say it, but I don't believe it's, he's talking anything about someone speaking in some glossolalia language as in like, whatever. And yeah, I used to do that as well. But after listening to Chris (laughs) some time ago, I kind of, my mind has definitely shifted on that drastically. So
0: don't know if that's good or bad, but I want to say real quick, um, uh, Ms. Peoples. And thank you for that, Harold. I just want to make sure we get to everyone because we have a bad habit of ignoring people until they leave. Um, but uh, Ms. Peoples, what did you have on your mind if you're speaking? I'm sure sorry.
2: Here we go. <laughs> so are we still keeping on the same subject as terms or can I ask a different question?
0: Uh, yeah, that's fine.
2: So... <clears throat> I am a Christian. I definitely believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to ask a question about sex. Premarital sex. So somebody raised a point to me, and I I know it was just to sway my thoughts, is that um, if you're in a committed relationship, married or not, they don't believe that intercourse is a sin because you've committed to each other. They just didn't have a ceremony. Let me finish dot because they haven't had a ceremony. And back in, um, you know, Christ time, pre B C, whatever, there was no you were married by your parents and you know the whole little shebang. And as long as you're together, then um, our is the Western way of thinking with the actual marriage ceremony. If they're married in their hearts, they don't need a paper. Thoughts? Uh,
0: okay, so. Thanks Absolutely. for that question. I, I was going to hang on. Not, I was, I was going to go to Steph and just pass it off to her for fun. But I actually would like to speak to this. So we talked about, you know, kind of marriage and like the minimal bar. Like does government need involved Does churches and guys in funny robes and hats? And, you know, I think what is biblical, like at a bare minimum, right? This is not what you would do. This is not what you would want. But for people trying to make this excuse like we don't need man, we don't need this, we don't need a piece of paper or ceremony, then like just going for the absolute lowest bar that no one would ever realistically advocate for. If you are, are both Christians, you're both Christ followers between a man and a woman, you're on like a deserted aisle or something between a man and a woman, then, you know, you have your own little ceremony, you know, between man, woman and God. And that's it. So if, if there's no witnesses, if there's no one else, the fact that you like make a conscious commitment between you and your spouse and God right there, then that's binding because it's nice if you have witnesses in a church and ceremony, like you normally would. But if you want to kind of play that bare bones game, like, well, you know, we love each other and that's all that counts. Well, then make a confession before yourselves and God. And that, that would be like the lowest bar again, that no one would rightly advocate for. But if they want to say that, I think biblically speaking, um, that would be the lowest bar. If they don't want to, you know, do this commitment thing between them and God, or, you know, have their own little thing, um make vows to each other you know to god make vows to god to you know love and cherish and everyone give self like jesus did for the for the church um then no I, i don't believe that's going to be honored in any way shape or form um just by them being like god knows our heart well that's true but um that's that's a bridge too far in this humble christians mindset what do you think steph
12: uh, yeah, it's super cheap and easy to get married. Just go get married. Like why, you know, it, it, to me, this when I hear this argument, Ms, it's like, a, and I don't know if it feels this way to you. I don't know this friend. Um, but it always feels like a justification. Like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't apply to us that that part of the culture doesn't we're, we're different. And the the bigger problem with that is that it's a mindset issue right? Once you start justifying, well, let's really look at what the Bible says, da, 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 da. I mean, you're also to follow the, the um, laws of the nation that you're in, right? So in our nation, it's, it's important to like, just on a legal sense, we get married, we have benefits, I guess that's disappearing, because now there are civil unions. And what is it called common law marriage and all this other kind of stuff. So that's not as weighty as the, uh, the bigger thing for me is that marriage is like baptism, it's like you're making a public confession of you're, you're showing it out in the public the promise that you are making. Like on my wedding day, when I said my vows in front of uh, God and in front of uh, a pastor and in front of everyone I love who was there that day, it's like what we were doing was we were asking all of them to hold us accountable. You're here to witness this promise that we're making. You're, you're here to see that we are promising each other and God to be together until death do we part, right? Right. And so my mom and my best friend and my uh, roommate from college and like all these people are there to hold us accountable. Um, and we're confessing in front of them. That's a crucial part of it. So I think to bypass all of that and just claim that you have made the promise without the witness, that it's, you know, that God is fine with it. It's sort of, I don't know. I, I, I understand what Nate is saying, um, but A, it smells like a justification to me. Um, B... Uh, it's easy to get married, so just go get married. You can do it in a courthouse, uh, and then see you're really missing this crucial element of making a public promise.
0: That's right. I agree, so, I agree with that, Steph. Well, yeah, I was just going to say. Sorry. It's like yeah. it, it, Go well, yeah, ahead, I was just going to say it's like it's like baptism, right? It's like, well, you know, we don't believe it's necessary for your salvation, but it's like Jesus says. It's one of the first things he says to do. So, you know, what, if someone says they're a follower of Christ, what would possibly be their reason for not getting baptized? <clears throat> uh, go ahead, Ms.
2: All right, all right. So, so then if that's being said, right, we know that we have to have a ceremony with following the laws of the land. So it does say in 2 Corinthians, I believe, about that Um the sexually immoral will not inherit the earth. So if they're, and that's like, it was a, and he had a list of who was sexually immoral, adult or, you know, it was a whole list. So I'm, I don't mean not to call it verbatim. But my question then is if she engages in sex, is she going to hell if she's a believer of Christ? Yeah, no.
12: Is she going to hell? Is that your question? No.
2: Is yes. she living in
12: habitual unrepentant sin? Yeah.
3: And is habitual unrepentance in the mark of a real believer?
12: Well, that's a great question because my brain was just going to, I guess we would need to know more about her as a person, like was her salvation. So Chris brings up a good point. When you are truly saved and when you are made a new creature in Christ, you lose the desire for this. Like I would have no desire to be not married. Right. My desire, once I fell in love and wanted to be with someone physically and otherwise, what my desire became to get married. So that's a great question. If she was saved and then she met this person, why is her desire not to get married, not to make this public promise? Um, What's going on there? So I guess I'd be with Chris on like, what's the true status of her relationship with Christ? Hey, but do you I, go to hell, hell I... by virtue of of uh, do you go to hell by virtue of this? I don't I don't think so.
0: Well, I mean, I, I mean, just because like Steph brought up, it's so easy. Like if you can get a driver's license, it's easier to get married than it is to get a driver's license. Like like there, there's just no way to justify it. It's like if someone tries that hard to like skirt the issue and be like, well, we love each other in our heart. We love it. By the time you justify your way into this, you could have gotten married. Like you could have got two marriage certificates. Um, so there, there's just no reason. And I would say if someone's worried about like, you know, their relationship with Jesus, um, for, for just like the smallest amount, this is a non-issue. Like go, go get married. Like, like go to get a certificate in like two seconds. Like it's, it's just such a non-issue. Like, there's definitely bigger things to worry about, like, um, you know, whether someone's blaspheming the Holy Spirit or not, as was our earlier topic. Um, but yeah, you want to respond? Yes. And then I wanted to... Oh, pass.
8: Yeah,
15: uh, Scripture tells us God honors marriage, so we need to seek to uh, find marriage. But I wanted to speak to uh, what Chris has said, the kind of steel man, uh, Chris's position on the importance of studying uh, our Bible when it comes to the tongues and all of this type of thing. We don't have any instructions to speak in tongues. None, zero. You won't find it. It is a description of what perhaps may happen to you if the, uh, if the Holy spirit decides to operate in that way with a person, but we don't have any instructions on speaking in tongues. Just, well, oh, I'm getting ready to go speak in tongues. Can oh, you teach okay. me? We don't have that. Um, having said that, uh, I, I'm saying it is important, very important to be able to know your basic uh, orthodox teachings, especially if you are a Trinitarian. If you're a Trinitarian, you need to know how to articulate uh, the Trinity So that persons who are uh, not Trinitarian and or antithetical to our understanding cannot subvert the truth. So I'm just using Trinitarian uh, doctrine as a premise. But anything, any standard uh, uh, teaching that uh, helps us to walk in the faith and the growing grace is not going to come through osmosis. We are given instructions to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We understand that faith is not a feeling. We understand that by reading the word of God, we establish a firm foundation. Our roots grow deeper in the grace of God. This is more important. If you never speak in tongues, if you never walk on water, you may never have a so-called word of faith. We have a written revealed word That we should immerse ourselves in to protect us from uh, the doctrines of the devil. I read.
0: Uh, Sure, Uh, I guess that was for Gia. I was going to ask. Yeah, follow up from Miss Peoples and Gia, but so since Sam brought that up, yeah, I was Gia. um, Did you? uh, Yeah, do you want to follow up? We kind of moved on from you, but do you want to respond to any of that? Did that help or explain what you were looking for?
16: Yeah, it it covered everything that I wanted to know. So thank you everyone. I'm definitely gonna study more um about this topic. And yeah, thanks.
0: And Ms. Peoples, what about uh what about you? Is that kind of what you were drawing your own conclusion on about the um sex thing?
2: For sure. I think that it's just easier in especially society that we live in today, where you see people who are um you, but I want to say this. You guys said it was so easy just to go get a marriage license or to get married. Yeah, but it's, only, it's a two-party situation. I don't think for her, her mate was willing to get married. And we've had discussions about her not willing to stop having the actual act. And, and, and you're right. It boiled down to her not reading her word enough, not having a relationship with Christ. You know what I mean? With the higher power or anything. Like, not with God. She just wasn't. We go to church, but I'm not judging her walk but um there it boiled down to the intimacy part of it was missing she didn't understand that she was grieving the holy spirit she didn't understand that her body wasn't her own you understand so those I, things I played a role yeah yeah so yes but she, she kind of had right she kind of had me convinced for a minute and so you don't know, have me just thinking three ways too many and i was like uh, let me just get someone else's advice
0: Yes. I mean, at that point, that's I mean, that's that's her cross to bear. Like if she if she knows she should be married and even if she wants to get married and, you know, her spouse is too unwilling, unable, scared, whatever the reason is for him not wanting to uh, go get married. um, Then I mean, that that says his position. So secularly, that's kind of a red flag, spiritually, big red flag. Um, So, I mean, that's her cross to bear. Does she do continue doing what she knows she should not be doing? And, uh, you know, I guess just hope the grace of God covers her Um, or does she, uh, you know, does she think about ending that relationship? Because it's not, um, you know, it's not godly like it is. I mean, that's that's her choice. I mean, you know, we we know the right answer and it sounds like she even knows the right answer. It's just, you know, do you want to, you know, have your way? And um, I don't know. (laughs) Um, What's the what's the expression? You know, some people some people will get into heaven like smelling like ash. Meaning, like, you know, they, they don't live uh, how they should, but, you know, the grace of God will pull them through some of it. So does that uh, extend into this habitual, like, rebellion? Um, because you want a selfish, you know, husband who, funny enough, um, doesn't even want you enough to get married. Um, you know, that's that may be a time for some tough love and to wash your hands of it. But, um, OT, welcome, OT. What's up?
5: What's up? Hey, what are we talking about right now? I'm trying to get a... a a good scope now if you have
0: it. a new topic that's fine
5: okay okay um i guess i was just wanting to ask like uh just based off what i heard already because i was curious about something that your perspective on something like or what uh you would reference in the bible uh, when it goes into uh like concerning sex and marriage right like like is there anything in the bible that you could show me that talks about if you like, if you have sex, you have to marry the person, or you should be married, to, be the person. married to the person.
17: Absolutely. Well, yeah, this. Absolutely. Well,
0: have this. I, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of echo. I, I mean, yeah, Harold, I'll let you speak in a second, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing that says you have to, because you know, I mean, there's plenty of heathen tribes doing, you know, heathens gonna heathen. Um, so nothing says you have to, but if you're a Christ follower, you know, God-faring person, Then you definitely should. Uh, Go ahead, Harold.
17: Yeah, man. And first, I want to say.
0: Are you saying it? Uh, Harold, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah. Your mic just got really quiet. Am I good?
5: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
17: Okay, fair enough. So first I wanted to say my apologies to Ms. When you were asking your question, Uh, I did interrupt you and I do apologize for that. Um, It's just the, 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 the stain of sexual immorality runs rampant in our society. And just for that matter in the world today. Uh, And in fact, Sexual immorality is so serious that God destroyed five cities because of it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but that's another topic. The, the, the whole thing about whether or not you're supposed to be married. You know, it, God had already established marriage from the beginning, from the point of Adam and Eve. Let's get that out of the way. Adam and Eve were both husband and wife. Well, where does it say that they were husband and wife? Clearly says that Adam knew his wife, Eve. It's called her wife. So that's the first thing. Secondly, what does it entail of getting married? There's two or three, I would say three main components. There's something called a bride price that is first given. Secondly, there's a contract involved. And third, there is an exchange of DNA, is what I'll say. There's an exchange of DNA. I'll put it like that. Uh, in this context, a bride price is required typically by the father. Uh, and sometimes it may vary culture by culture on how these different things take place. But in reference to Adam and Eve, Adam gave his life, God put him in a deep sleep, cut him open, took out a rib. And of course, God made Eve from the rib of Adam. Adam gave his life, essentially. That was his bride price that he paid. It also reflects Christ in the church, but that's another discussion. Secondly, there is a contract involved. Adam committed himself to his wife when he said, you are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He had a verbal contract, of course, because there wasn't paper around during that time. But obviously, as time progresses on, there is a contract, a a tangible contract that is is made. Uh, That is why you also have to give a bill of divorcement if you want to divorce, because it is now a new contract saying that you're no longer married. The Old Testament speaks about this in the law. And then, of course, Christ backs all of this up pertaining to divorce. There's a contract clearly involved. Lastly, there is an exchange of DNA. The exchange of DNA does not happen until you have given the price and you have established the contract. Let's get that out of the way. The exchange of DNA is through what? Consummation or the exchanging of blood. Or exchanging of DNA when you have sex, so the two become together, and then you are both made one. Christ Himself <laughs> says it. So, and in reference to what the brother asked, um, and this is just one scripture uh, 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 in the Old Testament, off the top of my head, uh, when the it was a it was a it was a law pertaining to if a young lady uh fornicates with a young man if they two have sex and they're not married. Uh the Bible says clearly that that man is is required to marry that woman or I think he has to pay like a certain amount
5: yeah, the bride uh, price. to the father. Yes. Yeah, it's like yes. uh if I'm not mistaken, uh forty or I think it's forty shekels.
0: Yeah, it's uh, about uh, OT, forty shekels. That answers 40. your question, O T.
5: Yeah then uh but that, the young woman is a Bethula, though. She's a woman that's never had sex with a man that you have to give a bribe right. for. Yeah.
17: Absolutely, yeah. So, but but at the end of the day, like I said, I, I wanted to, I, and this is, I'm really, what I'm saying in reference, This this just touches the surface on what the Bible has to say pertaining to marriage. But the three main components that the Bible does exemplify when it comes to marriage is those three components. And that's first a bride price that is paid. Then a contract is established. Uh, And by the way, it is done uh, in the midst of witnesses. Well, who were the witnesses with Adam and Eve? All the cows and the sheep and the wolves and the lions and the giraffes and everything, all the the badgers and the wolverines that was present when Adam was naming all the animals. All the host of heaven was as was a witness to that. So, but of course, in today's society, we would have our family members. Of course, in the in the so, Israelite uh,
0: days. No. Well, right, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it was like five minutes. Let's let's try to keep it, you know, because OT probably has no idea what he was gonna say now. Or do you OT? Like well, that, that was that, way more than you asked. I
5: retained a good bit of what of what you said, but um, you know, I know the the Mayor's dowry. Um, it only pertains to a betula, like, and you have in the case where, like, a betula, if, if she's not a betula when she's promised to a man, and then the, the day of he goes into her, and he he raises that a report about her not being a virgin, that would be the cause of her being put to death. You know. What well, was that your question you know before what? the
0: Old Testament scripture was brought up, or was there another direction you were going?
5: No, no, no. I was just wanting to know, like, what perspective were y'all speaking from when y'all were saying, like, when y'all were saying, you know, we're talking about having sex and having to have marriage, and it's a thing that needs to be done if you're having sex with a person or before you have... The young
17: lady essentially asked them whether or not marriage was required for
3: sex or was sex, essentially, marriage. Can we cut to the chase, O.T.? Are you saying
5: that you don't have to be married? Uh I'm, I'm saying it's, yeah. it's only required. I'm saying it's only required uh, for a particular type of woman. Uh, okay, so that's where you're wrong. And let's just cut to the chase and make this extremely
3: simple. If you are having sex outside of a covenantal marriage relationship, you are probably fixing to be a marshmallow. Repent and believe the gospel. How's that for simple?
5: I mean, that sounds scary, but...
3: Well, that's the truth. That is what scripture teaches. Go and look at it for yourself because that is what the scripture teaches. You're fixing to be a marshmallow.
17: I'm By a marshmallow, marshmallow. I'm a roasting marshmallow. on an open
5: fire or eternal yes. fire. That's what the scripture teaches. So I'll be a marshmallow if I don't have. Well, you're using incomplete
0: scripture. Huh? You're using incomplete scripture. You say you use the Tanakh only, right?
5: yeah I mean so that's the really... only scripture that I know about well, well there's the okay. new Testament well, well I mean, if you don't believe I mean, in Christ, you're,
3: you're going to be a marshmallow, no matter what, so well, I mean, you, you know about
0: the other scripture, right I mean we know about the quote scripture of Islam I mean so it's not like we don't know it, we just don't believe it, so you, you know about no, I mean I just, don't, just cons- don't, I don't don't follow it, don't believe it
5: no, it's not that I just don't consider it scripture, okay, okay. well, then you're going to hell, sorry. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to investigate. You're going to have to
3: understand who Jesus Christ is. You're going to have to understand that he is God. He claimed to be God. You're going to have to understand that he died and raised three days. Again, this is Holy Week. And, and that is the deal. It doesn't matter about any of this other stuff. It only matters what you do with Christ. And so far you have said you have rejected Christ as Messiah and God. And that puts you outside of the kingdom of God, and
5: everything else doesn't matter at that point. It's a moot point. So, is that supposed to be the immediate response to me saying I don't accept that as scripture? Like, well, it was the but, cutting the,
0: of the chase or cutting to the chase thing. Uh,
5: so believe or burn in hell. Yep.
0: Well, I mean, That's, yeah. Like, right,
5: is that how you preach the gospel? If you hear that someone doesn't believe in Jesus, I mean, like clearly people. Well, so is this is how I would say it. I would...
0: For
3: a long time and it hasn't worked. I'm just trying something different. How about this? Believe in Christ or you will be a marshmallow.
5: Period. I mean, that's, that's not that convincing, but okay.
0: Well, there, well, there's two things. You, <laughs> one, was, one was what is convincing and the other is, is that how you preach? So I don't know if you guys have had previous interaction, but in a nutshell, um, I would say, well, look, God created heaven and earth, probably the same God you say you believe in. And Jesus is the incarnation of this God in human form. Fully God, fully man. He lived a perfect sinless life because we're fallen. And that's our problem. That separates us from God. So at this point, we're all going to the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Thanks be to Christ. He came, lived a perfect sinless life, offered himself as a sacrifice for the redemption of mankind. So whosoever can say, I repent, I believe the gospel, what I just said, I will follow you, Christ. Make me born again. Give me eternal life that you say you'll freely give. I will, I will happily receive this and follow you. Make me a true disciple of yours and I will follow you the rest of my life. And for those who say that and confess Jesus as Lord and put their faith in him and his death, burial, resurrection, and believe in their heart he was raised from the dead, they are saved. They've solved the mystery of life. Go and follow Christ. For those who say, I hear you. Thank you for saying it nice and polite, but I reject that. I don't believe you're Messiah Christ. Well, then with all the nice politeness, I can say you're going to be a marshmallow. Don't be a marshmallow. So that that's the gospel. That's what we believe. I mean, unless you want us to lie to you, which I don't want to do, but I mean, you know, if that's what we believe.
5: Okay. I mean, I mean, I guess that was a longer-winded way of putting it, but
0: it was like two minutes. So
5: you said, like you said, that uh, God was incarnated into man and uh, all of that.
0: Well, you know this. I mean you have to being in a clubhouse, you have to know this. You just don't believe it, right? Like you know the story. I mean, I've
5: just never been shown where that's at in the scripture.
0: When the angel visits Mary and says, You're gonna have a son, and he's gonna be the savior of the world, he's gonna be called Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the word means. So God mm-hmm. with us. How else would you how else would Isaiah you say
2: 53,
3: that? Genesis three, Isaiah forty. I mean, like you've heard this. Come on.
5: No, I mean like you okay. Just understand me for a minute. I'm not trying to be, you know, facetious or a scoffer or nothing like that. I've just never understood how how certain people come to conclusions like that reading just the Old Testament.
0: Well, the same way the first Christians did, the people who were Torah only, uh, you know, because that's all they had been. So the people who were Torah only, just like perhaps you, who followed all these things. And when Jesus showed up, they recognized from just reading the Old Testament, the Torah, that Jesus was the fulfillment of their prophecy. So that's, that's exactly how. The, the same people who followed Jesus were Torah only, and then they saw when Jesus arrived, this is their Messiah. They've been long waiting.
5: The only Torah-only people in in Jesus' time were the Sadducees.
3: So if you've never read the New Testament, how do you even know about the Sadducees? I mean, I
5: have. I just don't consider it scripture.
3: Okay. Well, there's nothing anybody can do about that. You're going to have to come to your own conclusions. And the only way you're going to believe is if God changes your heart. So we'll wait for that to happen. And until then, you know, you should be very concerned about your eternal destination.
0: I mean, there are practical things you could do. Like actually, you know, what we just talked about, like if you've never actually called on the name of the Lord before, you know, pray to Jesus. I mean, he says, you know, talk to him, ask him. So I would say instead of just sitting there, maybe thinking, if God is, really exists, these Christian gods, if it's really the way, maybe something will happen. I mean, you know, you can proactively take another gander at the scriptures. You know, you can do what Jesus says. You can ask to be born again and for this eternal life. And, uh, you know, so there are things you can do. Like, pray to Jesus. Um, unless you just don't want to, and you're like, nah. Well then, hope for the best. But, you know.
5: I guess what I'm trying to ask is... Is there something you could show me in the Old Testament to verify that that's even something that I should believe in?
0: Chris just talked about Isaiah fifty-three and all the other Old Testament scriptures.
5: Isaiah fifty-three. Yeah, Is all of said, the Chris? Old Testament.
0: Yeah, all of
3: the Old Testament attests to Jesus. The sacrificial system is a type and a shadow for the sacrifice of Christ, okay? So all of the Levitical law has to do with uh, prefacing the Messiah. Uh, The Messiah is promised through the line of David. Um, You know, the, the Messiah is shown throughout all of the prophets. Like, you know, the Psalms speak of the Messiah. I mean, it's not like the idea of a Messiah came out of nowhere in New
5: Testament times, Correct. I mean, historically speaking, it, it kind of did during the uh, Hasmonean dynasty. But I mean, what? I, and I'm not saying like an anointed one that never was was spoken about. I'm just saying like, look, dude, the if hope you go of, back uh, and read Messiah from the the line of David,
3: like if you go back and read the the Talmud from before the second century almost every rabbi in the Talmud is talking about a divine Messiah Ben David. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I,
5: like, that's what I'm saying, though, like, it started... Right. The only reason things. they changed it is
3: because of the coming of Christ and the writing of the New Testament, and they didn't want Jews to convert to Christianity. I mean, like, it, the, 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 the evidence is obvious, and I think you've heard most of the evidence before, because I've seen you in a bunch of Christian rooms.
5: I just, I don't understand where the I just okay, so Chris, real quick. I don't, I don't follow rabbinical Judaism. I don't. That's not what I subscribe to. Okay, are you Hebrew Israelite? Now? No, no, I don't claim that. I just follow
3: the Tanakh. Okay, it. so just, to, but are you? So you're not in a camp, in other words. But are you? Are you Jewish? No.
5: You're not Jewish. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't claim a certain title. That's, that's not like what I do. I just believe. It okay.
3: Okay. But so why
5: would you like, what
3: are your reasons for believing the old Testament and not, and rejecting the new Testament? Is there a problem with authority? Is there a problem logically? Is there a problem? What's the problem with the new Testament that you do not see it as scripture?
5: Well, even in the new Testament, uh, from what I've read, uh, what I have read, I don't think anybody in that narrative considered, you know, the New Testament writings to be scripture. Like, I'll usually see. when they referred to it, it was like they were talking about the Old Testament. And they used that to validate, you know, the things that they were talking about refer- pertaining to Jesus.
3: Right. But that's not what the new testament actually says the new testament attests to itself that it is scripture so peter talks about how the writings of paul are scripture um paul refers to the writings of luke as scripture so like you know when when you when you get down and look at it in detail the new testament considers itself scripture
5: i mean it's definitely written but when i when i speak about scripture I'm talking about in the context that it's naturally used in referring to a text outside of what is written. A text outside of what is written. I don't understand what that means. A text outside of what is like, uh, what is being currently talked about in context. Like, okay. So for instance, like uh, it it talks about, so I'm going to just, I guess I'm going to just keyword it so you can get what I'm saying.
0: And while we wait, Gia or Ms., did you have anything else to say or any other questions or anything? Wonderful, wonderful.
5: So, look, for instance, right? In uh, Matthew, I I guess I could start at like Matthew 21 and 42. It says, Jesus saith unto them, Do ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes, right? So when he says that, you know, he's referring to the Old Testament. He's not talking about Matthew, what Matthew wrote or, well, or, or anything like that. Because
3: none of that had been written yet. Just because he's referring, and Paul refers to the Old Testament and Scripture as well, so okay. That that doesn't preclude the New Testament from being Scripture. It just means that, you know, Christians have a body of literature that includes both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I, I mean, it doesn't that doesn't logically preclude the New Testament, which had not even yet been written from being Scripture. It's just referring that the Old Testament is Scripture as well.
5: Okay. Right. Okay. I mean but I I'm just saying like that's what I see a majority of the time in the New Testament is it's not talking about those writings that are that are in the New Testament it's talking about the Old Testament the the Tanakh
3: right but but John himself and all of the New Testament writers themselves attest to the fact that they are writing scripture because they're saying I'm writing these things to you for such and such a purpose. And normally that purpose is either truth or salvation. Okay, so when Luke says, you know, Theophilus, you know, that he's writing to, I'm writing these things to you so that you can know the truth of the gospel, and the implication is that it would be onto life. Same thing with John, same thing with Paul when he's writing, you know, he's. I write these things to you uh, like John, when he writes his epistles, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. I mean,
5: yeah, I get what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I, so, I know I mean, they wrote things. I'm not saying, I'm not denying yeah, they wrote things,
3: but I just want consider, but they considered those scripture because that what gives you life is the scripture. Yeah. They would have been, you know, in the Psalmist's mind at that point, you know, how does a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Right. Psalm 119. So, it, it, they know when they're writing it, that they are writing scripture and they're self attesting that it is scripture. And OT, so it's in the writing like, itself.
0: Um, you know, like in the old Testament, uh, how God does these miraculous signs, you know, does the miracles getting them out of Egypt, um, yeah. you know, talks to Moses, gives them all these like miracles, right? You would say like, you would pay attention to that. Right. And that's, that's probably maybe why you believe in God because of these miraculous events. Right. No. So would you say if, if okay, great. Um, so maybe you think it didn't happen, but would you say if no, God sorry. generally does something, okay, well, maybe I got you all wrong. I was going to say um, to everyone else in the world, if God does something like parts the skies and, a, you know, calls out in a voice and gives instructions, people would probably pay attention to that, right? Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, with the transfiguration in Jesus where he and the disciples go up to the mountain and, you know, God is there, like, you know, he is closed, Turn like white. There's Moses and Elijah hanging out there and God calls out from heaven and says, this is my son. Do what he says. And then how are you going to know what he says? Well, that's in the Gospels. So these people write down everything Jesus says. So you've got a miraculous event where God calls out saying, do what my son says. And then they write down what his son says to do. So there's really no no way around that unless you just say, you know, it never happened. It's all made up Um, in that case, you know, do what you want. But,
5: um... No, I mean, so Nate, um, so I think for me, that would be like conflating the, the two and, and making them the same when the validation for the old, when, you know, you see these, which you would call miracles happening, like it's it's in front of the whole nation, you know what I'm saying? Like it's in front of a whole nation of people, whereas like these so-called you would say miracles that are happening in the new Testament is only happening in front of like a few people like that are part of a sect. A like the resurrection
0: like where mean? hundreds of people saw it and like the ascension where like tons of people saw it by a few, do we mean hundreds? Cause then I'll say,
5: sure. I mean, that's what Paul said, right?
17: Yeah. Not only what Paul said, but you also have historically uh, Josephus, uh, as an example of testifying testifying to the fact that Christ or jesus uh, was was very very well known historically during that time. It wasn't just a uh, it wasn't just no few people as in three people. This happened. These miracles took place by eyewitnesses all around the city. In fact, a lot of the Pharisees saw those miracles for themselves. Uh, that's why they reacted so violently towards him. So, and you have clear historical documents showing that thousands of people knew Christ, even from cities far beyond that. Uh, so that's 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 just kind of
1: that's kind of false. Even and though, remember
0: that. Well, and and remember that you know the reason the Pharisees you know gave Jesus such a hard time was, you know, because there was a talk and it's like, well, he'll, he'll, you know, his, there's lots of people like this guy. There's lots of people with these bands saying they're the Messiah. It'll fill them out. Um, but that didn't happen with Jesus. So they they thought he was a threat to their whole, turns out he was, <laughs> uh, there was a threat to their whole way of life, their whole thing, their whole religion. Like, you know, he was claiming to be God he was doing miracles. It was getting vast amounts of crowds, like, you know, the loaves and the fishes. Like he did that miracle in front of, you know, I misspoke earlier. I said hundreds. I should have said thousands. Like, there was multiple thousands of people there that all got a literal empirical first-hand fish in their hand um, that Jesus did. So, you know, he was a threat to their way because he was so popular, um, in addition to all these other things. So, to say it only happened in front of a few people, um, you have to say the Scripture is just all lies. Otherwise, th- there's nowhere to go. Um,
5: I mean, in the context of, like, when, when you're talking about Miracles validating if something would be scripture. Like, I I would get why the Old Testament would be considered scripture because these things happen in front of a nation of people, you know? So, like, as pertaining to a certain people group, of course they're going to have some type of documentation of this happening to their forefathers and their ancestors, you know, uh, to that degree. Um, But, like, the things that happened with Jesus can only be found Within this, you know, a particular sect writings, like you don't see any of these like miracles uh, or, you know, anything that's in the narrative other than him dying, being talked about by other historians. What? You when know, you say
0: other historians, do you mean other like Bart Ehrman, like secular atheists who have like a huge bone to pick with Christianity? Like, no. besides those historians, or like, you know, historians who are actually Christians.
5: No, I'm not talking about atheism. That's what I'm saying, though. You you would have to be a Christian historian to to relate that these these events in the Gospels actually happened.
3: Why would you say well, that? What's your grounding for that? It's a, it's a subjective way of seeing it. You have
5: to be subjective to admit that those events happened. With only the Gospels as historical No, 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 no. That's nonsense.
3: Here's the deal. The Gospels were written in the times of eyewitnesses by eyewitnesses. Okay? And so if someone had a problem with the content of the Gospels, they would have spoken up. Did the Jewish leaders write anti-Gospels? No. No one disputed the facts in the evidence. No one. And so this is a hollow argument to say that the gospel writers, they were, you know, subjective. And so they're just making up a bunch of lies and getting people to believe them and then going to their death to instantiate those lies. It's just stupid on its face. It's just it's a it's a dumb argument that I've heard from atheists over and over again. And I'm not saying you're an atheist, but it is it is the atheist argument because the gospel record is airtight. For the resurrection and we can go through that but we can say that if we are taking the gospels as eyewitness testimony there is not a court in the land that would not substantiate the resurrection it would literally be impossible
9: oh, and that's, so that's just not true chris i mean let's be honest there isn't a single christian Scholar Ryan. out there, right? That that thinks that they were written by eyewitness. The majority of, of Christian are. scholars. Are you joking? Do you know
3: anything about what you're talking about right now, or are you just riffing?
9: Yeah, Dale Allison, Paula Friedrichson, right? They, <laughs> n- none of them. None of them believe it. Yeah, because they're liberal scholars, bro. Like, are you joking? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's the, point well, I, and the the little problem that like one of them explicitly says it's not an eyewitnesses, right? It's not an eyewitness. Yeah, because they're they're scholars with again a
3: bias that they're starting from with nineteenth century literary criticism, and so when you get into the German critical, uh, you know ideas, then all of those people are going to reject early authorship. However, good scholars, like I.E., not dishonest scholars, all to a person. Talk about early authorship. It's just who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe a bunch of liberal, non Christian scholars? Or are you going to believe reputable scholars? Can I'm
0: can I I telling the fast? most hang, hang, tenable. A, hang on. Let me make a point. Well,
9: can we, a I was having a back and forth.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Should I just give you the keys and take off? My bad. Um, so, you know, I wanted to address something to you and Dot's point. We keep talking about like, Well, Christian scholars and their bias or non-Christian scholars and their bias. Like, is anyone thinking like the reason they're Christian scholars isn't because they were always Christians. It's because they read this stuff. They saw the validity of it, became Christian. And it's not like they started off from ground zero. Like, I am a Christian. I have to prove this for my Christianity. It's like many of these people started off neutral or, you know, non-Christian or with a, a problem with Christianity. They read through it. They explore it. They were compelled by the evidence. Therefore, they became Christians. So their scholarship came before their Christianity. So just because you say they're a Christian scholar, and now they have a bias. In some cases, you may have a point. But in other cases, you don't have a point. So that's what I'd like to put on the table. People don't have a Christian bias just because they're Christian scholars or historians. In many cases, these people were scholars before they were Christians, and they were swayed by the evidence. Continue, Brian.
9: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like the... The best scholars in the field, despite what like my fellow atheists say, is not Bart Ehrman, right? It's it's like John Mayer, like they're all Christians, okay? And I understand that Chris wouldn't not agree by with them.
3: The definition of Christian? They're Christians yeah. by their own definition,
9: but they yeah, yeah. You don't consider. I know he's a he's a Catholic priest. You wouldn't consider him a Christian. I get it. Correct.
3: Um,
9: yeah, but you know, they reading their works. I mean i would have to admit they do come across like secular works like you couldn't tell that john mayer is a catholic priest reading his works i mean you just couldn't um but that said like chris i don't you know you may want to defend that position i think the much easier position to defend without concern trolling you know is that these were eyewitness accounts that the information as eyewitness accounts that were written down by professional scribes later on that were narrated to them, I really do think that's the only tenable position to defend because you could count them on one hand, right, who believes that John of Zebedee learned extremely complicated. Greek and was able to compose that work a hundred years late. I know you don't agree well, with all straw, those assumptions. That's a man because scholars actually yeah. teach that they all know that there were scribes.
3: Like there are no, con- there is exactly zero conservative scholars would say that um, you know John son of Zebedee learned ex- like you're saying exquisite Greek to write the Gospel of John. No one claims
5: that. So John was a John was John was a Levite john was a fisherman so I'm saying, well, I, I from the tribe tribe right was. and he was he was an an illiterate fisherman too it says unlettered chris um, chris hold on, hold on. Was, I, I was asking if he was from the tribe of Levi. that's all does that mean? well You're i not mean not to be f- a f- scribe f- that's what you had to be a levite to be a scribe not, no one claims he was a scribe okay so how okay. why would i consider what john wrote scripture then
0: because, because unlearned John means you're just, not like an academic intellect for the ages. It doesn't mean you don't know how to read and write. I mean, you can do basic stuff like uh, write down thoughts. It doesn't mean you're a super scholar.
9: Yeah, but sorry, just to clarify, I, if I said unlearned, I meant to say unlettered. Like the, the, the word used there is unlettered, like not in English, obviously. Right. I think you said yeah, both, and, actually.
0: And, and again, no one
3: is claiming that any of the apostles did not use scribes. You can see it in the differences in writing style. Between the Gospels of John, the Epistles of John, and
5: you and say use use scribes?
3: They used scribes, yes, including Paul. Paul talks about his scribe. I mean, like this is not a controversial position. Like, Who is Paul? Is Paul had scribes?
5: Okay, so what do you think a scribe is? Just a person that writes down something for you, or? Is it just like anybody could do, do that? You,
3: what do you think a scribe
5: is? I mean, well, I think first of all, you have to be a Levite to be a scribe. You have to be a, from so the tribe a priest, of Levi. Tell that to King Henry.
0: Like, you don't have a all the king all the kings in the world, bro. What you have is actually not a scribe because they're not a Levite. I'm Off coming with your from the perspective. Scribe, right?
5: I'm coming from Off the perspective. Your head, scribe, write that Nate, down, Nate. I'm coming from a perspective of this people group. This people group, when you refer to scribes pertaining to that people group, they were Levites. Okay, so how about this? So, so how about...
0: That the scripture, but it doesn't matter.
3: They were
5: Greek
0: yeah,
3: <laughs> like, we th- right, right,
5: they
0: They didn't have scribes then. They had dudes that were really good at just writing stuff down. All right, can we move on?
5: Okay, then... If they were just anybody, the that wouldn't scribe. be considered scripture. <laughs> that's what, that's the point I'm making. Like, oh, oh, that's you hard. had to oh, be oh, a, no, like a well, scribe.
0: Well, well, hang on. Uh, this is uh, a silly uh, argument. I want to get back to Ryan. Well, hang on, Chris. I, I want to ask you. Um, I am going to have to go. Would you like to mod this rabble and, and see it through? Um, My time no, is short. I'm heading to work. Oh, well, I I, I mean, i got like five minutes if you guys want to talk. But, O.T., for for my final thing for you, um, it will be something you, you'd appreciate. It's from your book. Uh, it's from the Torah. Uh, it's Jeremiah 24. It says, you know, if serving this God or that God is better to you, do that. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, Jesus. But um, there you is go. You shouldn't have says? a problem with that scripture.
5: Does it say Jesus there in Jeremiah? No, Did I said that Be- for me.
0: I said that for me. It says Lord, which oh, is Yahweh, okay. which we believe is Jesus. But I said for me, that's Jesus. For you, it's whatever you want.
2: I'm sorry. Can I ask a quick question and just a circle back and maybe hone it all in? What will be a good way for a newer Christian to start studying the word? Do you start in the Old Testament, New Testament? What what's some suggestions from the group?
5: Old Testament. Of John. No no Old Testament, stop. The you see, look John. watch, I knew that was going. I knew somebody was going to say.
3: Yeah. Well, because here's the thing is that the gospel is contained. The good news is contained in the New Testament. The New Testament is further revelation. Um, And so the Old Testament is excellent. I read the Old Testament every single day. Um, But for a new Christian to understand grace and the gospel, the book of John is excellent. Um, And then there is a book called Living by the Book by Howard G. Hendricks. Say that again. teaches you living by the book. So this is a title and we can post it. It's living by the book. By Howard G. Hendricks, and it teaches you how to read the Scripture on your own, without somebody telling you—somebody like me or Nate or or anybody else—telling you what it means. It teaches you on your own how to read it, and that's what I would. Encourage. So,
5: so, so somebody has to tell you how to read it on your own. On your own. So, no, it's because no one people else are, can, like you are not mis- educated. You, and don't understand how to read, and so
3: when you are. Not functionally literate, you have to be retaught. And everyone who has been brought up in Western society, in the schooling that we have, even people with PhDs in English, they are functionally illiterate because they have been taught things like postmodernism that that take out the meaning of reading and destroy the written word. And so we have to be retrained for how our ancestors read. And everybody up to 1900 was able to read.
1: This yeah, is so not OT, a
0: controversial I only dropped you because I have to go. I, I would like to hear more of this conversation with you guys at a later time and Chris and Ryan. Uh, that's the only reason I dropped you because I just have to end this. But I'd say, yeah, you don't need extra biblical. Te- you shouldn't need extra biblical text to teach you how to read if you already know how to read. So it's not saying you have to, you know, read and twist the scripture because of this viewpoint. Like it's not even about that. It's not even to direct you to a viewpoint about Christianity. I mean, you can use this for, for a physics book. Like it just teaches you to, you know, get to the author's original content or, uh, intent, because otherwise if you read something about, you know, in, in the Bible about God, you know, created Leviathan instead of just, you know, reading the author's intent, um, you may start now thinking about dinosaurs or, you know, swimming dinosaurs in the sea. Um, when, when that may not be the intent, for example, bad example, but anyways, you, you, that's also how you can distinguish between, you know, when someone's writing as a metaphor or something should be read literally, like uh, not all of these things will have uh, the captions like we do now in the English Bible that says, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. So it may not say that. So it may just have Jesus start talking about the parable of the seed and the sower. And then you're like, well, if you don't know how to read, it doesn't mean, you know, the, the Bible's fine. It's people who are flawed. So if you don't know how to know the difference in a story that Jesus is telling, Versus if something literally happened, if you don't have the caption that says Jesus now tells the parable of the sower, that's that's the kind of help this is for. So it's so you read the Bible exactly as the author intended, which is as a parable. So that's that's the thing. Anyway, to me, this is your question. Um, I, I would, <laughs> you know, if someone had the the capacity to start with the beginning in the Old Testament and go all the way to Revelation, if they really had the capacity to read through it and study it then that that would be the preferred method to get the totality of the scripture to understand how things started in the beginning and how they end with Jesus in Revelation. And that will give you a beautiful picture um, as to why people say that, you know, the God, they didn't have the law, God gave the law, the law was fulfilled in Christ, it didn't go away, not one jot or tittle was abolished, but it, went, it, it was fulfilled in Jesus and how he was a sacrifice. So you'll see all of that. Also, how the laws were only for the Israelites, not Gentiles. Um, but uh, you know, to just get up and running, I would say, start in the new Testament. I would say, start with the words of Jesus, like the words in red, um, you know, in the new, the new Testament, it's not hard. You can get through in a week, but I would, I would encourage you to see what Jesus actually says. And then as far as like Corinthians, Galatians, like these shorter books, yeah, I mean, you can fly through these super quick and they're all redundant. Like they all say the same thing, which harkens back to the words in red. If you have a red letter Bible about Jesus said, So, you know, like if you repent and believe the gospel and, you know, if you believe God raised Jesus from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord, you are saved. So the whole New Testament is just full of redundancy over and over and over. And anyway, that's what I would that's what I would humbly recommend. Anyone have a final quick thought? Chris, what about you? Did you did you say I forgot? Yes, not uh, Miss. No, I'm good. Did you say where you encourage thanks someone sir. to start reading in the Bible? Yep, thanks. All right, everyone. Have an awesome day. We'll see you tomorrow. Good discussions.